Welcome back to the fan. That was not me clearing my throat. That is in the song itself. 877-337-6666 is the number to get aboard. And um, I, I've got to gotta talk about this because um, I am still fired up. And, and we were just talking here. Dexter Henry and I were just talking about you have to let the kids play. Bring the kids up. And it's the time. I mean, you saw, we were just talking about this. The Yankees brought up Peraza. Uh, Peraza just in time. They brought up Cabrera just in time that they could adjust and help the team in the postseason. The Mets, on the other hand, brought up brought up Alvarez last year in the middle, in a high-leverage situation, in the middle of a, a pennant push, in the middle of August. I mean, the kid was on his way home after his minor league season, driving home, and he got the call from the Mets. I mean, listen, now is the time. Now is the gift wrap time for Buck Showalter to, to, to put him in there. You've got two months, cozy, comfortable, pretty low leverage months of April, partially May. Give him a real shot. It's Narvaez's injury, it's got some fluffy timing to it. And as, as I mentioned right before the, the top of the hour, pitchers can now call their own game with the pitchcom if they wanted to. And, and if you didn't like his pitch sequencing in spring training, which I thought was pretty good, you can even let your veteran pitchers just call the game and tell them, hey, squat back there, receive the ball. I mean, this is too easy of a decision to make. Too easy. And yet, the poor kid who is ready to go, the number one prospect in all baseball as a catcher, is freezing on the bench with a hood pulled so tight around his face you can't even see his eyebrows. And you're going to get a true assessment of him here, too, because he knows he isn't going to be yanked back and forth between AAA and Queens. Narvaez is out for two months. There is plenty of room for him to get settled into behind the plate and not on the bench. And I think, um, Connor, if you got the audio here, I think this is the voice of Anthony DeComo asking the all-important question to Buck Showalter on Friday. And I disagree, and I always have trouble pronouncing this word vehemently, vehemently. I disagree vehemently (laughs) with Buck Showalter's response. Here it is. How do you balance the need to obviously win games with the need to further Francisco's development by, by having him play? Um, very heavily weighted towards winning games. And so, and I think he can, he can, he can help us with that. So I'm hoping both happen, but I understand what you're saying. It's, uh, you know, and it's kind of like a backup, a quarterback that gets drafted out of college and everybody knows he's going to be a really good player. Uh, but, you know, the time he spends as a backup is very valuable, too. Tomas pretty good, okay? He does a great job for us. A great job. Tomas Nito. Going into Saturday's game, he had one hit. One hit on the season and a batting average of 083 going into today's game. And the rule is, across all levels of sports, if you bring them up, you play them. Bringing a kid from the freshman team to the JV team, you bring him up, you play him. From the JV team to the varsity team, you bring him up, you play him. That's the rule. The Mets elevated Alvarez just to sit him. That is like like the opposite of what you're supposed to do. That is a huge mistake. And 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 this is not a backup quarterback situation. This is the number one overall prospect in the sport of baseball. He is ready. And the Mets continue to do a disservice to the kid, especially 
like I said, after the stunt they pulled last year, when they yanked him up to the major league level while he was driving home with his parents after the minor league season. And then you pluck him into high-leverage situations and you expect him to succeed. It's not going to happen. He needs to play when he's called up. He is not getting any better on the bench. Let him play. Free Alvarez. Nito. Tomas Nito. Uh, Tomas Nito. He, he's pretty good. Really? Tomas Nito. Let me check this out. Including today's game. He's now, Oh, he's now hitting 125. Yeah, pretty good. I guess he is pretty good. Yeah. Yankees? I hope. Brito who has been my breakout kind of, I don't want to say star, but breakout player of the season so far, Johnny Brito, I hope he's here to stay. He's got a .96 ERA. Why would they send him down? I mean, right? Let's go to the Bronx. Andre, you're up here on the fan. Hey, how you doing? Happy Easter. Happy Easter, Andre. Oh, yeah, it's Easter Sunday. It's 12.07. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Hey, hey, listen, do you remember... When you were a little kid growing up, and you would go to your aunt's house for the big Easter dinner and all that stuff, you know. My mom was always the cook. We never went anywhere oh. else. We were, we always ate her food. She's cooking oh, again well, this that, year. Well, that's beautiful, and God bless you and your family. But listen, this is the deal, right? Just be cool about the Mets. They'll hit. You know, it's not as bad. But I'm a Yankee fan, and my main concern is the starting pitching. I don't think that we have enough starting pitching, and I think we need some help in the bullpen. Well, you need some help in the bullpen because you, your number one guy, John, Johnny Loisica, is out for an extended period of time. Mariniaccio didn't look as sharp as he we're accustomed to seeing, right? Um, yeah, the Yankees going to need some help in the bullpen. I think so. Um, but the starting pitching, when when that comes back full force, it's it's going to be all right. It's just you got to get to there. You got to get to that point. Well, see, the whole thing is that. If you remember the Yankees last year, like you know, like I do, when they built up that lead, they had really good starting pitchers. Like those Tyon and Cole and Nestor, those guys were crazy, and, and the Yankees got up on a big lead. So now, you know, we're very early into the game, and I understand that, but I'm telling you, we need another bonafide starting pitcher. All right? And, 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 and I'll tell you this on today, Easter Sunday, yeah. and then I'll talk to you again later on in the year, and then, you know, you'll see whether or not, you know, I've been watching this stuff for about 40 years or whatever, and um, I hope to see you at a Yankee game. <laughs> oh, yeah. Gonna... I'll be there on uh, May 12th. I'll be there. That's my next Yankee game I'll be at. Oh, wow. Uh, who are they playing? I think. Oh, shoot. It's uh, Anthony Rizzo bobblehead. They're playing the, I think it's the Rays. Let me look. Yeah, it's the Rays. Oh, okay, good. So I'll see if my grandson could uh, play hooky from school because he goes to school up in Rockland County. <laughs> He's playing baseball up there, so I want to take him to a couple of Yankee games, and I'll see if his mom will let me, uh, me, me and his dad, we can go uh, May 12th. Maybe we'll see you around there. Yeah, let but me just know. Remember, but just remember I said we need more starting pitcher, and I'm telling you, if they went out and got a bottom box closer, that would be good too because, you know, but, but those are my two really worries. I'm not worried yeah. about left field. I'm not worried about the hitting. We got more than enough offense. It's going to be the pitching in the end. Well, and you, you have know what, great- though? If you, but but Andre, if you watch last year too, I mean, it was the hitting that 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 could, didn't get it done in the postseason. Well, well, yeah, but but I mean, like, they didn't fix the hitting, and and I mean, you just can't fix everything. It's like a landlord with a building, and everybody's complaining. You can't fix everything. 
I got enough confidence that if they can pitch better, that, you know, they'll score enough to get up there. And who knows, maybe Seattle would knock off Houston this year and won't have to worry about it. <laughs> that would be the ideal, wouldn't it? <laughs> well, I'm saying that, you know, we want to back in there because at some point we're going to have to be able to beat Houston. And I just don't see where we can do that. But, you know, you never know. You, I mean, look at the Knicks. They're going into the playoffs and they might win a round in the playoffs. I think they no. are going to win a round, actually. <laughs> I think hey, they're going to win. Hey, but listen, enjoy some of that good home cooking, man. Eat the dinner, man. And we'll, well, like, maybe we'll bump into you May 12th. Maybe, all maybe right. We'll be able to do that, all right? Thank I hope you. so, Andre. Bye-bye. All right. Thanks for making the call. I appreciate it. Well, that would be cool. I mean, you look at the starting pitching rotation, you know, once everybody is back to, to full strength, right? Cole, Rodon, I got some serious – before the Yankees even got him, I had some serious question marks about, about his health and his ability to stay on the mound consistently. But Cole, Rodon, Cortez, Severino, Herman, Severino, Brito, I mean, maybe. But what are you going to give up? Who are you going to give up to get that pitcher? Who is it going to be? I know Yankee fans are would love to package Donaldson and would love to package Hicks out of here. But no team has taken him. Not for any sort of quality starter. I hate to break it to you. Um, I think what you hit on was Andre, the, the closer. I think the Yankees are still married to the fact that they are trying to, to just kind of do closer by committee, closer by situation and and. I said it last year. I'll say it again. I don't like that. Closer by matchup. I don't like that. You've got the Mets. They've got the trumpets blaring. You know Edwin Diaz is coming in to close out that game. You know it. I mean, not this season, but you know it. The Yankees, I'm not sure. Could it be Michael King one day? Could could it be Marinaccio another day? Could it be Peralta? Could it be any one of them could be the closer? And I think it's, it's a special mentality to be a closer. And I hope... One of those guys emerges, and they just keep him there. That's my hope. Adam in Manhattan, you're up next here on the fan. Ooh, thank you for taking my call so quickly. Oh, um, thanks for making it. Yeah, I'm honestly inclined to agree that I'd like Alvarez to play and play every inning the rest of the year. Okay, not literally, but um, I do think he's doing this a little bit of a disservice in the sense that you're mentioning, like, no, Nito's obviously not a great catcher, but it's defense. It's the defense that they, that obviously they don't believe in. It's not nothing to do – you have to mention Nito's numbers of hitting the baseball. Nito's a terrible hitter. We all know this. But if they, you do agree that, especially in a position like catcher, if they don't think he can handle the job defensively, oof, I mean, that's, that's going to – Well, Adam, what do you mean by defensively? Guys. Like, what do you mean? Can he catch the ball? Well, I mean, I don't, I don't know because I don't watch him, but he's obviously not major league level. I mean, I can catch a ball. Do right. you want me playing? Do you want me? Do you want me playing catcher for the Mets? Well, I mean, well, not. well, the pitchers are calling the pitchers. If that's what your concern is, that he can't call a major league game, the pitchers can just dial it in on the pitchcom system. Done. Sit back there and but catch you know, the ball. You, you, you know, it's more elaborate than that. As do I. I can't tell you exactly, but pitchers aren't just going to pitch. The, well, why the catch? I mean, you know it's more than that. You do. What? If I want to uh, throw... Like, hey, Adam, if you're my catcher and I want to throw you a fastball, I'm going to press the fastball button and I'm going to deliver you a fastball and you're going to catch it. Uh, what's more, I, what's more technical I'm than your, that? 
if you're a major league pitcher and I'm your catcher, there's a big problem. I promise. <laughs> I mean, theoretically, <laughs> that's how it works there, Adam. Theoretically. I, I, I mean, you could be, so you know you could be bad enough. And we've heard rumors that he's not a, uh, look, at any other position, I mean any, I'd say you're a hundred million percent right. Like, how bad can you be in right field that you can cause a, a team to break down? But we know that pitchers have to, I mean, we just, we do know this. Like, you can't, pitchers have to be on board with you. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying that the Mets are right. Because like you said, the industry says the guy is the number seven overall prospect or whatever. The industry is not the dumbest thing ever. But, like, obviously the Mets don't think you play defense, quite obviously. That's all. And I don't think that's correct. I I think it's wrong. He's the number one overall prospect in baseball. I Believe me, I... I, I think you're you're probably right. I think Buck. I think like Buck specifically, for instance, believes this guy is not ready to be a defensive, you know, a defense, a, a catcher at the major well, league. Well, it's 2023. And, Get with it. I mean, put him in there and see what he can do. Now's the time to do it. Not in the middle of August when he brought him up last year. I, I, I look. You're right. I mean, I'd like him to play also, but let's just be prepared for the chance that he's really an atrocious. Defensive catcher, and we have to live with that too. Yeah, we'll get you him know. in there and we'll see what happens. Let's see. All right, bye bye. All right, Adam, bye. Uh, yeah, I mean, fine. You worried about a defensive catching? Okay, fine. I don't think it's a problem. And if you're going to bring him up to be a DH, I, I, I am completely off board with that. And I'm just trying to see, you know, if I can find any sort of defensive numbers or catching numbers or pitch framing this or whatever, but there's not much out there. They don't really keep good stats at the minor league level, I guess. You know, in terms of this, all you've got to look at is this 2022 season on Baseball Savant. But uh, I'll continue to look. But now's the time. It's April. Mets are 5-4. and four. Now's the time to bring them up. They had, they had a nice, cushy series against, you know, not bring him up, but but play him because he has been up. And he they had a nice cushy home series against the Marlins. The Marlins, you know, not not you know the Yankees. They, the Marlins they're playing cushy cushy, and they couldn't get him in. They couldn't see what he what what what. I, I don't understand with that. I don't get that. Then they go to San Diego. That's going to be a difficult series. What are they going to get him in at Oakland? Then you got L.A., San Francisco. I mean, then it's it's May. Now is the time. They, they already wasted two days. Dan in Sparta, you're up on the fan in New York City. Hey, how are you? Great. How are you, Dan? What's going on? I'm okay. I just wanted to... Hey, Dan, your your finger is uh, covering the, the microphone on your phone there. Oh, oh, oh there you can, you, can you hear me now? Yeah, I got you. I'm sorry about that. Um, I, I, I just wanted to make a comparison between the uh, Alvarez Hopefully, he's going to be great, uh-huh. right, for the Mets. But, um, you know, they're all kids. Like, even Led Zeppelin, um, they were kids. And 20s. Same. They were kids. And, and influenced uh, a generation of people. Um, so it's amazing um, what they could do at that age. And I wish I was that age, but like, um, but I, I just wonder. Uh, hopefully, he doesn't become a, a, a Sanchez, which I, I know he's, I always was a Gary Sanchez fan. I'm a Yankees fan, but um, you must like what, lot, lots of strikeouts there, Dan. <laughs> what? <laughs> you must be a fan of strikeouts if you're a Gary Sanchez fan. 
Well, he was good that one year. Yeah, the one he had the one year. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, he had one year. But uh, yeah, like if if the Mets are looking for a catcher, um, and I I I'm actually rooting for the Mets this year, big time. What? Yes. Why is that? I think they deserve it. I think it's it's been a long time that they need it. Um, I I actually ever since to be honest with you, I, I'm a huge Yankee fan from my you know from my dad. You know, everyone's a fan of their of, of the team when they when they're brought up from their either father or something like that. You know what I mean? Okay. And uh, I just ever since. The Yankees lost to Boston. I always thought the Yankees never could lose to Boston. Boston was always their, their rival. And when they lost that 3-0 and series, it hurt me bad, like as a Yankee fan. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, yeah. I, I, I love Jeter. You know, of course, everybody does. But like I never really thought like I thought that was that was the clash. I thought that was over. You know, like the whole, you know, Yankees, uh, Boston, Red Sox. It, I thought that that ended it. I thought that curse was over and all that, and it, may, it hurt. You know, it, I mean, in a way. I mean, not like you know, like hurt. Yeah, hurt. I feel like, like I'm a guidance counselor now at school, listening to this whole thing going on here, Dan. <laughs> No, but it really did. I mean, like, I was like, I always, I always grew up, like, you know, like I, I grew up with, uh, um, uh, Bucky Dent. Yeah. You know. Bucky you know? Dent, I'm, right? Yeah, when he hit that home run, I was just saying, and 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 uh, uh, Aaron Boone, or yeah, you know that. That shot, you know, I was like, oh, fantastic. Yeah, we <laughs> never let never let Boston into the playoffs. Never let them. Ah, but, yeah. well, I think they're going to be down and out of it this year, Dan. No no need to worry about Boston. No, I don't think so either. <laughs> like, yeah, but what what I'm saying is like that, like, I actually am rooting for the Mets to hope because they put a lot of money into their team and, uh, and I see the Yankees doing the same. They always do. Um, you know, we'll see what happens. Cole is a, is a is a strong pitcher. You know, we'll see what happens. It's like everyone panics in the first ten games of the season. I hate it's those. A long, it's a long. Dan. It's a long season. Yep. I hate those panicky people, Dan. And thanks for the call. I appreciate you picking up the phone. Uh, yeah, there's no time. We're not pressing the panic button just now, just yet. We're not. And, you know, Steve Cohen, speaking of, Steve Cohen, um, he was really right when he told reporters uh, it was Friday, I believe it was Friday, in the home dugout. He said, quote, it's foolish to make conclusions in such a short period of time. I'm Danielle McCartan, and the sky is not Falling in Queens, believe it or not, 877-337-6666. 66 I was joking around. Connor was hanging. The the, the the switch was supposed to be at 12 midnight, but uh, Connor was hanging. And I said, wow, you just really love the show? He's like, I'm going to stay here all night. And then he left. So I think I scared him. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, anyway, so uh, it, it's to me, it's really amazing how people are like way overreacting after just like one week of baseball. I mean, I've got a news flash for you. 
making a conclusion or stating or drawing a conclusion about how an entire season is going to go for any particular team after five games is foolish. Just as the Mets owner Steve Cohen said to a group of reporters in the dugout at City Field on Friday. Go ahead, Brian, hit it. Same way, like in my own business, in the hedge fund business, I'll have a bad week. And it doesn't define my year, doesn't define my month. And so it's kind of the same thing. You know, it's a really small sample. And so, I, I, you know, I, just, it's foolish to make conclusions in such a short period of time. That was the right rhetoric. That was the right message at the right juncture. And, and the Mets are not buried this season, no matter how many hot takes you see, hear, or read. Because if that was the case, the 8 no Tampa Rays, it, they're never going to lose a game this year. They're 8 no. I mean, stop the overreaction. We are nine games. Is it nine? Eight, nine games into 162 games. We are 6% done. Six. And, and I'm not making excuses for the Mets' slow start. I'm not. And we talked a little bit. This this roster has some, some major flaws on it, which you know I know about and tried to fix. But look what's happened so far in Metsland. And again, I'm not making excuses, but number one, Justin Verlander, their 1B pitcher, out for like a month, which is significant when you zoom out and look at the other injuries to the starting pitching rotation of the Mets. That's number one. And and the good news is, I guess, that Verlander told reporters on Friday at his locker in the clubhouse that a return before the end of April, and this is a quote here, he said it's very reasonable. He also said that he wants no rehab starts, just a straight shot back to the New York Mets. Not the Syracuse Mets, no any other Mets, the New York ones. And he said, quote, I can't give you an exact date, but I feel like I'm really close to being able to take the leash off and start getting after it and build up. Thankfully, being able to continue to throw, hopefully that buildup is not that long. End quote. But then, then their opening day catcher is going to miss two months. And here's the other thing, too. The, the underrated sort of thing here. The Mets played home openers, which, you know, home openers, a little pageantry. They, they run on their own schedule, their own fanfare, their own all of that, you know, all of it. They, they open the season in Miami, and that was a 4-10 game, followed by a 6-40 game, followed by a 4-10 game on a travel day. Then they went to Milwaukee and opened that stadium up, 1-10 local time, then a night game that followed that, then another day game, then another non-rainout when they got to New York, Friday, and then Friday at City Field, 105. I mean, to me, the Mets haven't had a chance to get settled yet. They haven't had a chance to, like, I don't know, get their their feet under them yet. I mean, they opened three stadiums in like a week. Three different stadiums in three different states in like a week. And again, I'm not making excuses. I'm not. But we're like 6% into the season in in what the Mets just had was like a seven-day span that was filled with like many different quirks for this team. And, And I'm with Steve Cullen, and I'm paraphrasing here, but this this start... You know, especially before the homestand started, before the Mets opened their own stadium, the third of three. I mean, this week, that, that up until then, it is not a true reflection of what this Mets team is capable of achieving this season. However, the bottom third of that lineup 
needs to change. Something needs to happen because and and, and Buck is changing the he hasn't had the same bottom three yet. The same bottom three, you know, combination. He's mixed it up every single game, and it's still not producing. So, I mean, it's not without trying, I guess. They just don't have the personnel. And that goes back to the GM and the failure to address the, the designated hitter spot in that lineup. I heard someone today calling it a designated hitter position. Eh? Really? Position? 877-337-6666 is the number to call. My name is Danielle McCartan, and we will go to let's go to Long Island. Let's go to Brian. You're up next. You're on the fan. What's up, Brian? <laughs> oh, hey, how's it going? Sorry. Uh, so I just wanted to bring up the point that you know, I'm a Yankee fan, and I feel as though the, that has a, you know, just on why Buck doesn't trust Alvarez, and that's Gary Sanchez and Jesus Montero. So Buck, let me get, Buck doesn't trust Alvarez because of Gary Sanchez. No, Gary Sanchez and Jesus Montero. You know, the, those are guys that he's seen in the Yankee system that are offensive-minded catchers that just don't make it. And I, I feel like that's the reason why Buck doesn't trust Alvarez in that role right now. I I don't think Buck is looking at any other team other than his own and his own evaluation of his own players. I don't think that's a fair assessment. Yeah, but he he knows how how the whole you know story goes with uh, an offensive offensive minded catcher. So so all right, let's say that's right. I don't think it is, but let's say that's right. He get, he brings him up to sit on the bench for two games. What's can, go ahead? Read the tea leaves on that one, Brian. Well, and that's the other thing. I feel as if though the Mets are shooting themselves in the foot because. If they don't, if Buck really doesn't believe in Alvarez being an everyday catcher, they should have kept him in the minor leagues, and then because they're they're basically losing any trade value that Alvarez has now, because they're basically showing the rest of the majors that they don't trust Alvarez as a catcher. Brian, let me tell you something: they're not trading Alvarez. They're just he's he's the catcher of their future. You think Tomas Nino is their catcher of the future? Or Narvaez? He's the number one overall prospect in baseball. They're not trading him. What about Otani? If the Angels come calling up and ask for Otani, I mean, ask for Alvarez, do you think that's going to be a deal breaker? The That's that's not all they're going to ask for, number one. They're going to want a lot more no, for Otani. Gonna... Exactly. Mauricio, maybe Beatty. You really want Otani. That's what you got to choose with. That's what you got to go with. <laughs> so, okay. All right there, Brian. Uh, Tra- hurting the trade value by sitting him, bringing him up and sitting him for two games. Well, I don't understand how it hurts the trade value because if they pl- if they were playing him and he's 0 for 8 in two games, then it hurts the trade value. Yeah. If they're not playing him, there's no evidence that he's bad or good. <laughs> he's just—he's just there. He's just there, freezing. In fact, it makes his trade value the same I as know. it is, which is fantastic because he's the same product, and he's the number one overall prospect in the sport. In the sport. Also, b- basing Buck wasn't with the Yankees when they had Montero or Sanchez, and Jesus Montero was 15 years ago. Like, like, let it go. And, <laughs> and Sanchez was how long ago? Still, 2015. They called go. him up. I mean, that—that that, that yeah. was eight years ago. Yeah. But also. Let's acknowledge this point, too. 
Yeah, those are two guys that are in the, the Yankee system, sure. What do you say to Salvador Perez with the Royals? Another top-tier prospect in baseball. I had 40 home runs and 110 RBIs last year. Do we... Salvador Perez doesn't oh, exist. He doesn't fit the narrative. We don't bring him up. Because he's on the Royals. Yeah. We, what about JT Realmuto? Yeah, we don't bring him up either. So great catchers yeah. don't fit the narrative, so we forget about them. Right. But failed prospects. I mean, I can give you a million failed shortstop prospects. Yeah. Should the Yankees cut Anthony Volpe because of the struggling start? Yeah. Or hey, hey. we're going to look at another shortstop on a different team and then make our decisions based on that. This is a silly logic. IKF's not great, logic. so Volpe can't be great. Yeah, right. It's silly logic. And he's going nowhere. But I, what I disagree with is you bring him up. You need to play. You can't let him sit on the bench for two. He's not even a DH over the past two games. Not it serves no purpose. It's almost like he's just filling a roster spot, and that's not your goal with him. Right. Especially because the backup catcher is going to be out. Nervais is going to be out for, for two months. So if, if, if he was going to be back in a week and you were just having Alvarez up to hold a roster spot that's and different. maybe get a, a, a pinch hit at bat here and there, yep. okay, I hear you. But, but not playing him at all here isn't adding up. Like, pick your poison. Either, either if you're not going to call him up, if you're going to call him up, you got to play him. If you don't want him to play, then leave him in AAA. Let him get at bats in AAA, and then call some. There's plenty of of, of lame duck guys in the minors you can call up to fill a roster spot. Call up a bullpen arm. Call up someone else that yeah. that can serve a purpose. I just don't yeah. get bringing up two failed Yankees prospects that happened to play the same position. One that was 15, literally 15 years ago, mm-hmm. more than 15 years ago. And using that as your evidence for why he's not, they're not yeah. trusting an Alvarez. It's, it's flawed logic, to say the least. The Phillies just gave JT Ramuto $150 million. Yeah, and he's crushing it. Yeah, I mean, so is that... What, what if Montero becomes... What, what if Alvarez becomes JT Ramuto? Then it was all worth it, right? Then, it, then, Buck, then Buck made the right move. We don't know yet, and yeah. it takes a while, too. Like, here's my thing, too, Danielle. Sometimes we just got to learn to trust the guys that are in charge. Right, like, who knows more baseball? Us as the general public or Buck Showalter? I'm going to take a hint, it's, it's Buck Showalter. So maybe, maybe he's seeing something that, 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 we, don't, that we don't see. Maybe I, I, I'm, ag- I'm agreeing with you. I'd play Alvarez. I, I, if Alvarez is going to go 0 for 12 in the next 12 at-bats, I'd still play him. Let Me him too. see pitches. Let him get the experience. Yes. Let him get the major league at-bats. Yes. I'll agree with you there. Maybe, but maybe Buck sees something we're not seeing. But what could it be? What could it be? He's just simply not ready. Like maybe he's just simply. There's a lot. I think baseball's unlike other sports is a very mental sport. It's it's all, a lot of it's in your head because these guys all have the ability. A lot of it's stuck in your head, and unfortunately, we we said it about. Remember the struggles Garrett Cole was having in the playoff series. How we all thought we know Garrett Cole's got the talent. Is anybody denying Garrett Cole has the talent to pitch big in a, in a big game? Right, those 101 miles an hour has a has a killer slider. Right, we all know Garrett Cole the talents there. But we all thought it was in his head, and he couldn't perform in a big moment, right? What if, what if Alvarez goes 0 for 20, and Buck knows that he's a little um, shaky when it comes to like to, to mentally, he needs his confidence to be up there. You know, the, the, they're, they're, I'm just making the point. I'm not saying this is right or wrong. What I'm saying is, let's rely on the fact that Buck Showalter knows more baseball than us. Then, then, then keep him at Syracuse. They had a double well, today. That. He can catch both games. You I agree with I mean? that. Like, I agree with that. Let, let him get the at-bats in Syracuse. He's going to need him at some point anyway. Yeah, right. And then, you know, someone called before, and they asked kind of the same question, and, and Steve Cohen used the phrase, the Mets, and he, the proper noun, I guess, the Mets, and the phrase, equipped to win it all in the same sentence, and in that same kind of scrum in the dugout on uh, before Friday's home opener. And I'm Daniel McCartan, and, and, and that is where I disagree 
with Steve Cohen, the owner of the Mets. This team at this very moment is not equipped to win it all. 877-337-6666. Welcome back to The Fan. My name is Danielle McCartan, hanging with you until 3. It's 1245, and I have not yet wished you a happy Easter if that if you celebrate Easter. So if you do, happy Easter. You know, uh, here's the other thing. I, um, I, I, I'm pretty sure it was Bruce Beck that asked... Steve Cohen in the dugout on Friday if this Mets team is equipped to win it all. And Cohen replied, and here's the full quote. He said, absolutely, absolutely. With this team, we've got veteran pitchers. Let's get into the season. Let's not make any conclusions at an early age in the season. I think it's probably a mistake. I think last year we got off to a great start, and then we had a tough September and obviously playoffs. And so... I'd rather finish strong and be prepared for the playoffs. That was Steve Cohen on Friday to, I think it was Bruce Beck. At this juncture, I do not agree with that assessment. The Mets are not absolutely equipped to win it all. The Mets won't even win a postseason series with the way the bottom of this order is configured. You can't even blame it on, like, you could say, oh, it's this guy, this guy, and this guy. It's You can't even do that because it's the same, it's not the same three guys that, that are hitting in the bottom third. I mean, Buck Showalter, you want to get on him? He's used a different combination of, of, of starters in the bottom third of the order every single game this season so far. None of it's worked. So far this season, no matter what that combination of bottom third hitters is, they collectively, as a group, including today's game, are 18 for 98 with a batting average around like 167. Seven RBI and just one home run. And that was, a, what's his name's today? Escobar's today. So tell me, how can you win a World Series when the bottom third of your order equals three automatic outs? And, and, and I went back to my notes to my big Mets, big bat wish list and just you know, out of curiosity... Here's how my top two choices are performing this season. Number one, Wilson Contreras, who the Mets didn't go out and get because they have this guy named Alvarez, who they love to sit on the bench. He was signed by the Cardinals so far. And I didn't count Saturday's game. I didn't look. Uh, But up until Saturday's game, six for 21. One RBI. But even better, my first choice, J.D. Martinez, L.A. Dodgers. Seven for 30, a home run and six RBI. Again, the Mets as a group, it's just, it's just, it's not, it's, it's not adding up to me. And you cannot use the Mets and the phrase equipped to win it all in the same sentence. I'm sorry. Sorry to break the news to you. Not the way this lineup in particular is constructed. 877-337-6666. We go to James in Jericho. You're up on the fan in New York. Hey, how you doing? I want to be the voice of reason here a little bit. I think everybody, especially Mets fans, need to take a step back off the ledge. Let the season play out a little bit. Three days ago, it was apocalyptic. Everybody was, oh, my God. James. With the Mets. Yes. You're not including me in that group, right? No. Actually, okay. I think you're the voice of reason. No. Actually, I think you're the voice of reason. Good. Um, some of the other uh, hosts have been, you know, on board with that, uh, with, with the apocalypse. Um, they're actually, I heard a couple people bringing up players that the Mets didn't sign, like uh, that were former Mets, um, whether it was Conforto, J.D. Davis, talking about how they were performing on their new team. 
I countered with, well, let's look at some of the guys we didn't sign that were former Mets, like Chris Bassett, who's got a 24 ERA right now. Really? Like, um, like DeGrom, who's got a 5-5 ERA. Yeah. Like Walker with the Phillies, he's got an 8 ERA. I mean, it goes both ways. You can't just, you know, uh, single out the, the negatives. That or, all the yeah, or, or cherry pick the positives. Right. And the other thing I want to bring up, too, about, about uh, Alvarez. He's been up for two games. What was he going to do? He was not going to start or play in an in, in opening day. I mean, I think that's a little bit too uh, – you've got to give the opening day to, I think, the veterans that are on the team. I think that's out of respect. And well, then on the Yankees two, didn't do it, and, the, and Volpe was ranked lower than uh, Alvarez. Okay, I agree with you there, but I'm, gonna, I'm not. A, I'm not a Yankee fan, so I don't. I, you know, I don't. Again, I know that might be cherry picking, but I, I want to stick with the Mets for me. And today, when you got Senga throwing, you know, with, with his with his ghost, you know, with his uh, fork ball and all this other stuff, I don't think that was fair to Alvarez. I think if Alvarez doesn't catch tomorrow, then maybe you know that could be a little bit more of a bigger point or DH. Well, they but said think- they said I'm not sure if they said he's playing. I don't I, I don't know if they said he was going to DH or catch. I don't know, but he, yeah. apparently he's definitely playing on Sunday. Yeah, I think that's going to be a good spot for him. But to to, uh, to catch either of those games today uh, with Sengo or yesterday for opening day, I don't think it's fair. Uh, my final point: I just think let's just wait for 20 games. We're a game behind the Braves already. And, we, you know, if, would it have been nice to start like the Rays? Of course. Everybody wants to go 8-0. But like Steve Cohen said, it's not about how you start. It's about how you, how you finish. Thanks for taking a call. Have a good night. Yeah, thanks, James. I appreciate that. And I just looked it up for you. I hope you're still listening onto the radio. Uh, Buck Walter says that Francisco Alvarez will be the starting catcher tomorrow. Starting catcher. Um, finally. That's what I got to say. Finally. We go to Paul in Hamden, Connecticut. What's up there, Paul? Hey, how are you tonight? I'm great. How are you? Well, I want to talk hockey, not nine games into the baseball season. <laughs> uh, hey, how about some playoff hockey? You know what? Uh, I'm a big Ranger fan since forever, 1966. But mm-hmm. you know what, though? Real quick. But listen to the fan, you know, always. But it's like a lot of the people call in like, oh, we're supposed to be afraid of the big bad devils. Boston just made them look I mean, I know it was a close game. I watched the whole game. There was not no hitting. It didn't even look like playoff-type hockey, even though it was like, you know, Boston going for a 60-second win and stuff like that. The Devils came up small, and they controlled Jack Hughes. I watched the whole game. He was he was invisible. But, you know, let me tell you something. The Devils have, I'm not saying they don't have a shot, but I've been watching this team now with the Rangers. I mean, they are prime, man. They are ready. I mean, we got, you know, we got four good lines. We got Igor, right? Well, that's we the got thing. Fox, Truba, Miller, yeah. Aaron, and Sabanajad, uh, Kane now. We that's got Kreider. We got the kid line. If it ever, ever I mean, came down to it, uh, Devils-Rangers, if, if that's the matchup round one, I, I give the slight edge to the Rangers because of the experience that they have yes. in these situations. Yes. And of the because of the goaltending. And, and Blackwood was in the crease tonight. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't Vanacek. So, you know, you got to factor that in a little bit, too. Vanacek, of course, is the better of the two, but I, neither of them, I don't think, can, can, can I don't want to say hold the candle to, but play as well as Shesterkin in those clutch situations. So I would give yeah, this no, absolutely. to the Rangers. And, and, you know, I mean, I only say that this year, you know, it's the Rangers year. Obviously, I always wanted to be the year. Mm-hmm. But just that, you know, watching the way that, that Grant has been playing, I mean, they are primed. I mean, they are, you know, they're a physical team. They can play that game, yeah. right? They got, to me, and you know, to win the Cup, you need four good lines. You need to stay healthy. You need the D. 
right? And you need people to score. And they have a balanced scoring. They have good power play. Power play against is good. And, you know, that's the ingredient you need to go to the cup. And actually what brings a team to, uh, you know, to make a good run in the cup is the goal. Then I give yep. them the edge, at least that way. Yeah, I would too. I would, I would give the, the Rangers the edge in the goaltending. Absolutely. I'm even looking at stats. If anybody wants stats, I have them. You know, a save yeah, percentage. Uh, yeah, so if you compare Shesterkin and Vanacek for this season alone, save percentage goes to Igor Shesterkin. Goals yep. against average, advantage, Igor Shesterkin. I'm just trying to pick up, like, um things that you can easily compare. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I mean, all, yeah. all of it. All, all of it pretty much slants towards Shesterkin, the numbers-wise. Really. Can I make one last point? Yeah. Okay. Uh, we beat Carolina last year. We went to the Commons Final, took Tampa to seven games. That is where we were at. And the Devils, I know they're a good team, have a lot of points. They're really good this year. But the experience goes to our team. And that's all I got to say about that. Pleasure. Happy Easter to you. <laughs> Thanks. You too there, Paul. All right, buddy. All right, buddy. <laughs> uh, yeah, if you're telling me you could pick one goaltender to win in this playoff series, is it going to be Shesterkin or Vanacek? It's, it's Shesterkin. It is. And especially because he's got you know a lot of experience behind it with this particular group. Um, uh, you know, but that doesn't mean that that. And, and by the way, Vanacek has exactly three games of playoff experience. Three games. That's it. It's not a lot. And when you look at Shesterkin, he's got. I mean, you got to scroll, scroll, scroll. It, it's twenty-one games of playoff experience. So obviously, in a, in a situation, in a playoff situation, experience matters, of course. Uh, but you know, the Devils are exciting. They, they play fast when they get the puck out in space. As you saw, it was it Jesper, Jesper Bratt earlier tonight. I mean, he got the puck out in space and, and scored. So they're a fast team. They are an exciting team. And if they get, you know, behind the defense, it's it's kind of, it's, it's wraps for the defense kind of. So um, that's the style of play that they play. But if you're telling me, you know, experience matters in the playoffs, this, that, and the other thing. The slight edge for me, slight edge, would go to the Rangers if they were playing each other. And with Blackwood in, in the goal tonight, uh, I don't know. I don't know what the, I don't know what they were thinking. I don't know. 877-337-6666 to the Upper West Side. We go to David. You're up on the fan. What's up there, David? Hello? Hi. Oh, thank you, Daniel. Thank you for taking my call. Um, the reason for my calling was this. I, I think you're completely wrong about what you said about Steve Cohn when he said that the Giants are equipped. I believe that they are. I mean, wait a minute. The Giants you know, and Steve. The Giants and Steve Cohen. Oh, who was it? Oh, see, I'm sorry, sorry. I'm sorry. Steve in the Nets with Steve Cohen. Remember, you said that the, he said that they are equipped to go. Steve Cohen away. said that the Mets are equipped to go. Win it all, yes. Yes. Now, every man on that roster, his weaknesses, his strengths, his, what he can do, what he can't do, These, all of these guys have gone through the, the, the minor league system, and they're up at the pro level. So they are the best of the best. Some are better than others. Some are not as good. These five guys maybe not as good as them two guys, and and two guys not might be you know whatever. But they're all pros. Now, 
some pros are better than others. They're and the, quick, and right? The last now, three hitters in the Mets roster belong in AAA, but go ahead. Okay. But if the people are equipped to do this and they don't use this equipment or, or you know, then that's one thing. But what are we, 10 games into this season? And? Yeah. I mean, I just don't think that, you know, you should say that they're not. How would you know that? Have you ever managed a, a, a team? Um, yes, I, I actually am in the middle of my softball season. Yes, I have. I've, I've been coaching for okay. 13 years of my 34 years on this earth. Yes. Okay, I mean, okay, so then that gives you a better look into what you look at when you're looking at players. I'm not I saying mean, I manage a, a major league roster. I'm not saying that. But I, I have been in charge of making roster decisions and, and playing time decisions and, and all of that there, David. But when you look at this Mets, I mean, it's it's been, what, nine games, whatever it's been? And, and it's, a, it's three automatic outs no matter who is there at the bottom of that order. You go through Nimo, and then you get to Marte, and then you get to Lindor, and then Alonzo, and then the batting champ, Mr. Jeff McNeil, who's batting fifth. I don't agree with that. Um, Then what? Then it's like, all right, whew, the pitcher can exhale, and they're like, all right, I just got to get through this. These next three guys, four guys even, and uh, it's smooth sailing from there. And it's up to the manager to extract that talent out of, the, out of those guys, but there's only so much you can do. I mean, I give it to Buck. He's, he's tried all, what, nine different combinations. None of them have worked out. You can only do so much with the talent that you're given. You've got a half a DH in, in Daniel Vogelback, which I was here sitting over there when that news broke, and I called him a half a DH that day. Oh, wasn't that true? He doesn't strike fear in anybody. Vogelback clogs up the base paths if he gets on, even with the shorter distance. I mean, Ruff's gone, thank God. Escobar, uh, any 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 of these other combination of guys, they don't strike fear in any opposing pitcher. None. Guillaume, Narvaez, Locastro, Pham, Nito. These are all guys that have served a, a, a batting order spot in the bottom third. I mean, he's even tried putting. There was a day a four four versus Milwaukee. He had Jeff McNeil batting in 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 the. Seventh spot. Jeff McNeil, the batting champ, was batting seventh. I don't understand that. So it's just, it's just, it, to me, it speaks to the failure of, of the Mets to acquire talent to fill those voids. Now you're Welcome watching. Welcome back to the fan. My name is Daniel. You're watching the we roll on in the 1 a.m. hour. Happy again. Maybe you're putting out J.D. The, uh, Martinez. The number one on my list. Hiding the, uh, the eggs around the house for the, the big York hunt Mets. in the morning. J.D. Yeah, later Martinez. in the morning, I guess, when the kids wake up. He's batting, uh, I, I, last maybe I checked, he's batting the, third. The, the, um, the carrot for the Dodgers. The kids think that the Easter Bunny has been to your house. Whatever it is. Thanks for tuning in. I appreciate that. A notification just came through. Uh, Israel Adesanya knocked Alex Pereira out cold. That, of course, UFC was the second round, 50, about 50, 45 seconds left in the second round. And it was a big right, two big rights, caught him with a left in the chin. Let me watch that again. Okay. One, right hook, right hook, left. It was like a combo of like three different punches, right hook, left to the chin, right hook. He knocked him out 
cold. Second round knockout. Adesanya. I love the little celebration he did at the end. <laughs> he put like arrows, he took arrows out of his back like a Robin Hood and shot him and shot him and shot him. You know, obviously not real. They're make believe. Uh, but, uh, all right. Well, Adesanya has, you know, I hope he's all right because that's always my worry. Uh, he wasn't moving after the fight there and, he, and all the videos I've seen. So hopefully he's all right. Uh, but what a knockout. Adesanya knocked him out cold. As I sit here, by the way, in a Misha Cupcake Tate t-shirt, by the way. Misha Tate. She's fighting again June. In June in Vegas. Ugh, I wish I could go. But uh, I got this thing called the day job and uh, probably won't be able to get out there for that. So, uh, and you know, and speaking of, speaking of my day job, an email went out at school. I, I'm a teacher. If you're new to this, I'm a teacher, a coach. Uh, an email went out at school asking uh, for volunteers to play in this fundraising, this this charity softball game for, for the town's education foundation. So I'm like, man. That's right up my alley. Of course. You know me. I answer right away. Yes, I'll play. I'm a size medium. And, and by the way, that's on the weekend. It's, it's occurring on the Saturday that I plan to celebrate my birthday. No less. Like my 35th birthday, I'm going to be spent raising money for a town softball game where I teach. Whatever. It's for charity, right? So I email back. Hey, I can come. Again, I'm a medium. Here's the response that I got, word for word, from the organizer of the entire event. Quote, unfortunately, I am not sure that you will make the cut. We will be having tryouts next week with, like, the crying laughing emoji. What? What kind of response is that? So, like, do I stay home at this point or do I show up and do I, like, Michael Jordan them and, and say, you know, and I took that personally? I mean... They need me. They they need me. If, if if you want to say this is about all winning, well, they need me to win. So I don't know. That response took me quite by surprise. And the caller was just saying, like, have you ever managed a team? Well, no, I've never managed a major league baseball team. But I just recently had cut day for for my softball team, and I got to tell you, that is the worst day of the entire season. Like it really is. Like. You hem and you haul over these kids and over these these human beings that, you know, what you think about what it would mean for them to make the team and how they would feel if they didn't and which kid makes the team. Ultimately, you end up saying to yourself, all right, which kid makes my team the best? Which combination of kids makes my team the best? And, you know, I, I had three different iterations of cut and keeps this past week, three different ones. I slept on it for like two nights. I mean, it's just it's just the worst. But, you know, all said and done, you know, my team is set. We're, we're excited to get started. And, of course, I'll, you know, give you some situational updates, you know, never by name, never by town, you know, any of that. But, uh, you know, some situational things that do come up on the diamond. And uh, it's, it's, you know, part of my life. And I like to share a lot with you, the listener. So we have tryouts next week for softball. Come on. Come on. Uh, 877-337-6666. And I'm just trying to replicate the success that um, our teams poised for the playoffs are, are, are going to are, have had this past week. I mean, the Knicks clinched, Nets clinched, Devils, Rangers. I mean, poised. 
the Rangers are, you know, on the outside looking in. But, hey, there's still, you know, a few games left. Maybe they can do it. But uh, I think the big story around town is the New York Knicks. But the biggest question surrounding the New York Knicks is Julius Randle. Is he going to be available to play? I think yes. I think the Knicks win round one against the Cavaliers. I think they take it round one. And I think if the Knicks took that series, I think you would consider that season a success. And then you're playing with house money beyond that. 877-337-6666. Mario in Long Island. You're up on the fan. Hey, Danielle, thanks for taking my call. Hey, thanks you for making it. Uh, what, what, what do you teach, by the way? Uh, Italiano. Uh, yes, I'm Italiano. But yeah. What do you teach in school? Oh, I, I teach Italian. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, what, what grades? Uh, right now I'm at the middle school. In town. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, my, my father was born in Jenna Whitley. That's, uh, oh, get out. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's Genoa. crazy. Is his name Cristoforo Colombo? Uh, my father's name was Bruno Verardo. Uh, there you go. Close enough. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. That's crazy. So I'm a lifelong uh, Jet, Nick, and uh, a Yankee fan. And what are you? Are you the same? So I never like to really give away the allegiances here because, Mario, I'll tell oh, you. Okay. You know what? I'll tell you. I'm a girl, right? So that's strike one against me. And if I say I'm a girl and I'm a Rangers fan, then two-thirds of the hockey audience goes, actually, I can hear them turning their radios off right now. So for those reasons, I kind of play it right down the middle. And I like doing it that way anyway. So, yeah, it's kind of why I do it. But I, honestly, I do root for all the teams here in New York. I really do. More, more Some over others, understandably. But, uh, yeah, I'm New York through and through. Now, getting to what you said earlier about the Knicks, I'm, I'm really excited about them, too. And I think it's very interesting because when Randall was out, you saw a little synergy in terms of moving the ball. I actually think they could win even if Randall isn't there. I mean, I really do. I mean, I really think they got a shot. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's up yeah. to the team chemistry. It's up to Hobie Toppin and, 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 how he, and, and, and Mitchell Robinson's got to really, really buckle down in the middle there. I, I think he will. I, I love Mitchell. He's my favorite Nick. Mitchell Robinson is my favorite Nick. Um, I could see it happening. I could. Uh, I do think Randall will be back, though. I think I don't think I, what we're discussing now. I think it'll be a moot point, really. Daniel, one last question. I'll let you go. Yeah. What, what do you think about Emmanuel quickly for uh, sixth man of the year? I think he's a strong contender for it. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's him and Brogdon. I don't know. It's just I don't know. I, I think the Knicks have been searching for an Emmanuel quickly for quite some time. That it would be such a shame. If he didn't win it, really. And you, and you know something? He makes $2 million a year. Brogdon makes $20 million a year. This guy's probably the best uh, value for what he produces <laughs> in all the NBA. Hey, $2 right. million? In the entire league. You're right. Yeah, I mean, it's ridiculous. And, I mean, he's got some quickness to him. Yep. That even though I love Brunson, Brunson's great. Yep. But they're two different players. I mean, he yep. could explode to the basket. Yep. I really like it. I really like it. And uh, thanks for taking my call. And uh, I'm glad I found out you teach Italian. So I'm going to be calling <laughs> more often now. All right, Mario. I appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> All right, ciao. Um, yeah, you know, when, when everybody around here was trying to trade Emmanuel quickly, I'll tell you something. I was like, you know what? I like him. He's he's fast, twitchy. He's a t- fast, twitchy kind of player. I like him. Let leave him be. He's gonna be all right. And guess what? He is all right. Averaging like fifteen points a game. Come on, come on. Emmanuel quickly, six man of the year. Sign me up. Although the odds are probably pretty even now, right? I never like play. I, call me like a. I never like betting on things that are like. Forget the minuses. I'll never bet on minus ever, but, you know, plus 100, plus 200. I don't like those. 
plus 350 even. I go for like the 500ers. Those are the ones I like. Those are the kind I like. I don't know what he is to win six man of the year. I'd have to look and see. Uh, oh, but by the way, since I'm not in New Jersey, FanDuel didn't let me put a bet on um, Kodai Senga to win Rookie of the Year. So I have to remember to do that when I get home. I have to. I'm going to forget. Somebody please remind me. 877-337-6666. Happy Easter. Buona Pasqua. P. Murph 31 just sent me a picture of uh, marshmallow, yellow marshmallow dipped peeps. Can't say I'm a fan of uh, of marshmallow peeps. My dad loves them, though. I've seen some people put them in the microwave. Is that real? I, I just don't like marshmallows. That's the thing. So... I like uh, I like M and M's. <laughs> I wonder if my mom's gonna do Easter baskets this year. <laughs> oh, I forgot to ask her. Anyway, she's cooking. I can't wait to have the lasagna in a little while. Probably about twelve hours from now, the hot lasagna is gonna be coming out of the table, and I can't wait. I'll send a picture. Believe me, it's a fa- my favorite part. Ham, I could do without the ham, but the lasagna, that's all, that's all I need. That's all I need. Eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. We go to Javi in Brooklyn. Wants to talk some Knicks. Go ahead, Javi. Hey, how are you? Great. How are you? Thanks for, I'm doing good. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, I want to know, what do you think of uh, Luca came to the Knicks next year? You know, I, that thought did cross my mind earlier today. I really did think about that because of all the the the, uh, the rumors that he might want out. <laughs> Can't say mm-hmm. I'm surprised about that. I don't know. He doesn't play. I don't think he. I don't think he would be a target of the Knicks because he doesn't play much defense, and you know mm, that a Tom Thibodeau yeah. team is predicated on, on its that. defense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Unless Lucas okay. says, you know what? Hey, I can bring. I can bring you over the hump. I will sign up to play defense, and and I would absolutely welcome him on the team. I would. Okay. Would that have to be? Would that be a trade situation, or is he like a free agent? Like nah, you? that would be it. Yeah, that would be a trade situation as well. So you'd have to um, look at. Yeah, yeah and see. Okay. And I, and I, I would have think that the, the Mavs would want a lot probably for him too because they just traded away Brunson and all these guys and they would want to right. reload. Yeah, right, I don't know right, about right, that right, actually. Right. Yeah, no. it might not be a great idea. Yeah. I have one last question. Sure. Um, I'm a bit confused to why Mark Cuban didn't play the starters. Yeah. Um, Is that a thing? Yeah, it was a thing. It was a thing and uh, I think uh, – Mark Cuban tried to, to, to tank some, some playoff hopes of some teams around here. Wow. Yep. Yeah, I thought that was kind of crappy to do. Thank you for taking my call. Yeah, thanks, Javi. Thanks for making it. Yeah, Mark Cuban. Adesanya, by the way, his message is, you'll never feel this level of happiness if you don't go for something in your own life. I subscribe to that. How do I put that as a quote on my fridge? Let me let me open up in a new tab. You know I have a bunch of quotes on the side of my fridge. As soon as I walk out the door every day, I read them. Some from, one from Hope Solo, one from Carly Lloyd, one from Jorge Posada I have. I'll tweet a picture out. I think you've seen them. One from Coach Coughlin and my favorite, Chris Jenner. I don't even watch the Kardashians, but it's a good quote. It says, if someone tells you no, you're asking the wrong person. How's that? Kind of along the same lines of Adesanya. Hey, uh, Eli in Washingtonville. You're on the fan. Hey, how's it going? Uh, I just want to touch on the the Yankees again. Um, yeah. Do you think the Yankees, uh, sometimes they do things just to annoy fans? 
Oh on yeah. Purpose. Oh yeah. <laughs> Is that what they do? Because <laughs> <laughs> like the, the other night, not yes, you know, not not last game, but uh-huh. you know the boom debacle again, where you know he he batted IKF instead of the a guy that just smacked a home run that you know the you know the inning uh, the prior inning before, and you know Cordero, and talked, right? Yeah. Cordero, yeah. Yeah. And he talks about, oh, yeah, we needed a hit when this guy, IKF, only has one hit throughout the whole season. <laughs> no, zero but, hits. He hasn't had a single hit yet. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there you go. Not yet. Sorry, I, I, gave, <laughs> I gave a little. But listen, it, it's 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 the same thing. Like we've, we've been discussing this all last season, all this season. Things are not going to change in this Cashman era. You know, they have a certain game script, and – uh, you know, Cashman is too stubborn to admit, admit his mistakes. Yeah. So he's going to try to shove down, you know, these mistakes down, down the Yankee fans' throats who are like, um, you know, uh, Aaron Hicks, and IKF, and Donaldson, and, you know, all these guys are mistakes that he's made. And it's costing the Yankees money. Donaldson didn't come cheap. And he's going to give $6 million to IKF to be a utility guy, and then, and then the other day they played him in the outfield, which I was, I was like, what is, why is this, these guys trying to put this guy anywhere to try to see if he succeeds? The guys, the guys, a minor league player at best. I'm telling you, and then these, these, of course, these kids, you know, that they need to come up, they need to stay here, like the starter today. I bet you're gonna be sent right back down. And they're gonna give a whole, a whole another excuse why they're doing it. Yep. But it, I'm telling you, being a Yankee fan is real, real tough lately because the team is adequate and they're just good enough to make a playoff. Yep. You know, a position, and, and that's about it. Like it's not the old Yankees where we're trying to win a championship anymore. It doesn't feel like it, right? Because it it, it just. Because it, right. Eli, if if they were, I mean, they wouldn't be rolling into the season with IKF and Josh Donaldson and Aaron Hicks and all this dead weight around around the roster. I mean, if this was a Yankees team that was committed to, to putting the best championship team on the field, those guys would not see the light of day of of, of on the playing field. Yeah, and then, you know, he, he he admitted that he needed a left fielder, and the reason why we lost last year was because there was injuries to our left fielder Benintendi. That the Yankees, looked- to my knowledge, did not offer a contract to return. I, I'll, I'll stand corrected if someone wants to send me an article, but why wouldn't they want him back? The guy didn't make a single error last season. Hasn't made a single error yet this season. Why wouldn't they want him back? Well, yeah, they, they, have, they have Aaron Hicks, remember? That's right, Aaron Hicks. He got his first hit tonight, game eight. I get it. Yes, that's who they have. Hey, listen, I, I'm glad Volpe got got took the number eleven uh, <laughs> off of Brett Gardner. He'd be in the, he'd be in our, in our roster again. Oh well, I mean, he certainly has the uh, <laughs> the prowess on the base paths. We'll put it that way. Yeah, but listen, it's, it's going to be a long season, and we're probably going to you know make it to the playoffs again, and then lose to the Astros again. It's the same. Like Groundhog's Day. Uh, I know. Every year. Every year, Eli. Thanks for the call. That's a, that's a great way to end it. It's like Groundhog Day. Get, you get to the matchup against the Astros, and then that's it. And by the way, I don't know when this was. This is just a little while ago. The NBA, actually, we were just talking about it. The NBA has opened an investigation 
into the Dallas Mavericks and Mark Cuban um, after they sat the key player against the Bulls, says the headline. And uh, maybe it's a tanking issue. And uh, here's the quote from uh, the league spokesperson, Mike Bass. He said, the NBA commenced an investigation today into the facts and circumstances surrounding the Dallas Mavericks roster decisions and the game conduct with respect to last night's Chicago Bulls Mavericks game, including the motivations behind those actions. And the payoff, really, the, the payoff you know, for, for the Mavericks is this. If the Dallas Mavericks miss the playoffs, they get to keep a top 10 pick in the 2023 draft. Top 10 pick. So that's the motivation behind it all. And it's it's a it's a Knicks pick. It's like something from the Knicks or something like that. My understanding. So yeah, well that that story is yet to be determined. Keep your eye open for that. And uh, you know, speaking of Anthony Volpe and the resulting defensive infield shuffle that he has rendered. And you're talking Rizzo at first, Torres at second, Volpe at third. Lemayhu, I'm sorry, Volpe at short, Lemayhu at third. I mean, the arrival of Volpe has, in my opinion, kind of forced Josh Donaldson as to become, and like, you know, in the NFL draft, how they have Mister Irrelevant. Well, I kind of think he, it's forced him to become Mister Irrelevant. And uh, listen, I'm Daniel McCartan, and and the the best thing you can do. If you're if you love the Yankees, the best thing that you can do is to actually root for Josh Donaldson to succeed. Call me crazy. But that's the best thing you can do. Call me crazy, call me up. 877-337-6666. Welcome back to the fan. My name is Daniel McCart, hanging with you till 3 a.m. on this Easter Sunday. Thank you for tuning in. I, I and thank you for even picking up the phone, calling in. That's 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 excellent. That's fantastic. I appreciate it. And quick little update here: uh, the U.S. women's you know, people always talk about oh soccer this soccer that. Guess what? The U.S. women's national team beat the Republic of Ireland two nothing. Emily Fox scored. Lindsay Aran scored, and it was the return of none other. Then Julie Ertz. It was like something like 611 days since Julie Ertz uh, had last, you know, game action. So Julie Ertz returned to the pitch. And uh, as a sub, though, she didn't start. She was a sub. But uh, very exciting stuff. As you know, the, uh, the Women's World Cup is this summer in Australia. Down under. Anyway. 877-337-6666 is the phone number to get aboard. We're talking all kinds of sports tonight, and I love that. And I, I have to say that uh, first, before we do any of this, talk about Josh Donaldson and all that, right? But I got to tell you, I, I, I was just telling Brian before, I, I booked a trip to California. I'm going to see my uncle, my aunt, my two cousins who just recently moved out there from, from New Jersey, and uh, also a friend of mine. And uh, if you know me, you know that there's two things. There's an Italian element to this, and there's a baseball <laughs> element to this. Um, the Italian thing is um, I'm staying in Little Italy, San Diego. And I stayed there the first time I went. So uh, this time I'm staying with my family for the first couple nights. 
then on that last night in the city of San Diego, in there, there in Little Italy, because here comes the sports element. Among many other things, I actually wanted to go see an NWSL San Diego Wave soccer game, but they won't be home during the days that I'll be there. That sucks. It's like the um, it's like a little U.S. Women's National Team. It's a national team sort of break. So that sucks. But I actually do have something up my sleeve to possibly bring back to you. But I'm not going to say what it is right now. I don't like to announce things before they actually happen, you know? Everything is always subject to change, and I don't want to jinx it. But anyway, we are all definitely going, definitely going. We already bought tickets to see the San Diego Padres. Um, And I was hoping to catch either the Yankees or the Mets there, but no luck. It's Padres Brewers because the Padres are going to be here at City Field. Um, I think it's what, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday? I'm going Thursday. That's their first game of their homestand. It's the Padres Brewers. Should be a good game. I've been to Petco before. It's a beautiful park and a beautiful area with lots to do and many bars to hit before and after the game. It's a 6.40 p.m. game. Yes. <coughs> Excuse me. And, it, and you know what else? It just so happens to be Juan Soto bobblehead night. So it's going to be packed. And not that I picked that night on purpose. That's just the night we're able to go. Um. So anyway... And I'm, I'm, I'm kind of fielding suggestions for some good baseball bars near Petco Park for before and or after the game. Um, and if you happen to be there, uh, we'll be sitting right there in section 127. So just, you know, let me know. Be happy to happy to see you. <laughs> but, um, yeah, the arrival of Anthony Volpe. Let's talk some Yankees here. The arrival of uh, Anthony Volpe. And, of course, we'll, I, I see a Knicks call here. I'll get to you. Don't worry. The arrival of Anthony Volpe has rendered, in my humble opinion, Josh Donaldson completely irrelevant in the Yankees infield. Because while DJ LeMayhew at third base isn't my favorite thing to see either, but an infield consisting of Rizzo, Torres, Volpe, and LeMayhew is actually really quite solid, more so... Because at the plate, there's going to be a subtraction of the bat of Josh Donaldson. And in case you missed it, Donaldson was transferred to the 10-day IL on Saturday afternoon. Retroactive, I think, to the 6th, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, in late February, in a clip that now has over 120,000 views, Aaron Boone gushed, gushed about Josh Donaldson. And you know what? I have it for you. Here, take a listen. Um, first of all, we're talking about a great player. Like this has been a, you know, star player, uh, and consistently for a long time. Um, he's not far removed from 2021 where, you know, he was still a wrecking ball. Um, you know, I think, you know, I think last year with the lockout, you know, probably came in a little behind the eight ball. Um, I, I think he had an amazing winner. Uh, he, he's physically, he's, he looks great. Um, his assessments, everything, he's moving really well. But the things he did this winter to get himself ready to go, you know, I think you're crazy to, to think that a bounce back is not in there offensively. Um, this guy still has bat speed um, and, again, is super talented and I think physically at this point in a much better place than he was a year ago right now. And then, no, no, he says, uh, but Aaron Boone said, first of all, we're talking about a great player. That made me like LOL. 
points to the lockout at times. Okay, apparently the lockout uh, just you know it just didn't affect Josh Donaldson. And the last I checked, it was a whole league wide lockout. And um, all right, you want to point to the eye test? Okay, everybody calls up. I I know that I got the eye test. I you don't need my numbers. Okay, so I'll give you both. I'll give you the eye test plus the numbers to back it up. Like I really always do. Josh Donaldson did not make a single adjustment to his swing last season. And most glaringly in the postseason, there was not a single adjustment made to game situational hitting. You know how I know that? I remember talking to one of my colleagues about that in the hallway. He was like, yo, what's up with Josh Donaldson? I was like, I don't know. He's like, he has made not a single adjustment. I said, I know, I know. I mean, Josh Donaldson was swinging out of his cleats Every single at-bat in the postseason, it was pathetic. And you want to call me up and argue about that? You want to defend him? I mean, go ahead. But before you do, I'll caution you with this. Josh Donaldson in the 2022 postseason, with an average leverage index, which is a, it's a tool, a number that measures how critical a situation is for that particular player, Josh Donaldson stepped to the plate in the postseason in more low-leverage offensive situations than either high or medium ones. And he still couldn't cut it in the low-leverage situations. In this past season, his batting average, past postseason, I should say, his batting average, 172. He had one extra base hit. And you ready for this? A strikeout rate of 44%. You tell me he didn't make any adjustments. But this season, Josh Donaldson, he's all about the adjustments. And he actually did hit well this spring. 256, four home runs, 10 RBI. But so far the regular season, he has struggled out of the gate. And um, now he has found himself on the 10-day IL. And I wanna, I wanted to bring this back to you. Because I talked to Josh Donaldson in the Yankees clubhouse today, Sunday. Right now it's Sunday, so a week ago. Um, I talked to him there in that clubhouse at his locker, obviously before the injury, right? Obviously. But uh, I I wanted to try to get to the bottom of of what kind of adjustments he has made. I tried valiantly. Here's what Josh Tomlinson had to tell me. Uh, Disappointing. Yeah. Last season, personally for myself, pretty much overall. How did that take an effect on, like, your your mental health? I'm sure you... Yeah, I mean, it was definitely frustrating, but I've never been one to kind of lay down easy. So it, it gave me plenty of motivation going into the, the off season to keep working and uh, trying to improve and, and do whatever I felt like and to put myself in the best position going for the season. I've heard and read you made some tweaks. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you can give away all the goods here, but what are the tweaks that, that you Yeah, just trying to make it more simple, really, what it comes down to, and that's pretty much how it is. Lower half, upper half, quicker to the ball. Yeah, I mean, just, I think everything. I think all of it. I think I, I would try trying to get uh, my moves accomplished in a simpler fashion and um, trying to be able to repeat them as easy as possible. In a more compact way, I assume? I would say it feels quicker. So that would, I guess, in your wordage be more compact. How have you prepared more mentally to be ahead of the game, ahead of the curve? No, no pun intended. Yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of more more or less understanding the situation and the environment right. uh, that you are in and um, 
you know, understanding the factors that I can control and and really focusing in on that and investing in my teammates and, and trying to be the best teammate possible. Speaking of teammates, who did you have you relied upon to be like, you know, your go-to kind of guy in here? Yeah, I think I have a few. I mean, me and Judgey talk a lot. DJ and I talk a lot. Uh, me and Trevi talk a lot uh, as far as baseball stuff. But uh, I mean, a lot of the pitchers and stuff in here, too, we talk to, which is probably a little bit abnormal for most teams that I've been on. Most pitchers, I'd say that you don't ever talk to the pitchers, but about baseball type of stuff. Yeah. I'm picking your brains, too. I, I assume that's, that's, that's an advantage to have a pitcher that's willing to sit with you and, and dissect. Yeah, well, I mean, not just that, but just kind of understand... Uh, pitchers get a completely different viewpoint of the game. So just to get a different yeah. aspect is cool too. What does it feel to have a manager that is just so supportive of you? I mean, the latest quote is he's got to know that it's still in there because it is. To have Booney behind your back like that, what does that feel for you? Well, I mean, it's it, it's nice. It, it would, uh, um, I, I think to Booney's been around the game a long time. He's been in the other dugout. He's seen me play and play against his teams, and to be able to have his vantage point of whenever I was good, bad, or indifferent, he kind of can see that. And him and I talk often about that, and I think from a physical standpoint, and he kind of can still, or, or I guess his words are, He's, he still sees that, which I know that it's in there because I've put the work in. And, but it's nice to have that boat of confidence uh, from him. For those who have written you off already, um, fans, media, what's your message for this season? I don't, I don't really have a message for, for that. I mean, I, I look at it as I'm here to win a, win a World Series. I'm here to help our team win ball games. Um, at the end of the day, I I take whatever responsibility for my own actions because that's who I am and that's what, who I am as a player. And you know, I look at it uh, as a challenge that I'm willing to take. Thank you very much. Yeah, appreciate it. So I tried very valiantly for him to 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 tell me what is different. And you know what? Whatever it is, you have to hope that whatever he change works. Because the facts of the matter are this. He's making $25 million this year against the luxury tax payroll. No one is going to take him in a trade now. And the Yankees are, are seemingly unwilling to eat some money to move him. And the deal was fagazi when it happened. You know that. I know that. And the best thing that you can hope for, the best possible outcome, it's for Josh Donaldson to improve enough for someone else to make a trade for him. You have to hope his adjustments work at the plate, or else it's going to be a long season. Again, 877-337-6666. We go to Ted in Queens. You're up next here on The Fan. Hey, Danielle. First time call on your program, oh, and I have to say you have a very smooth oratory and therapeutic delivery to your uh to your callers, and it's very refreshing. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that, Ted. Thanks for picking up Listen, the phone. Listen, enjoy, enjoy your travels. Enjoy your Easter. Um, by you. the way, Petco Park is a very, very charming ballpark, and it's definitely uh, – I could never get enough of uh, going out there uh, whenever I do have the opportunity to get to San Diego. But uh, 
enjoy whatever you're doing. But I, I, I'm calling because you touched on earlier about uh, what the Daleks Mavericks are actually doing to the New York Knicks because um, mm-hmm. had the Mavericks, in fact, did qualify for the playoffs, the Knicks would get their number one conditional pick. So obviously... There's some sinister activity on the uh, on the Mavericks side, and I hope the NBA comes down real hard on Mark Cuban's uh, franchise there and smacks him with at least a million dollar fine because I think it warrants it. To be quite honest with you, yeah. And and Jason Kidd called it an organizational decision to sit those guys. Come on. Well, certainly it's, it starts from the top to the GM, though. But anybody who thinks that teams don't tank. Um, for certain beneficiary yep. purposes or out of their minds and very naive and very gullible, mm-hmm. to be quite honest with you. Um, also, I, and, and I'll just leave you with this, actually, this may be the first time, I guess, what, in 30 years that there's a good chance all five winter sports teams in the metropolitan area will be making the playoffs. So there will be some very, very... Uh, very entertaining activity going on on the hardwood as well as on the ice. And I'm um, really, really looking forward to that. You know what, Ted? I, I had a, like this fleeting thought that entered my mind a few times, and I, I forgot to actually look it up. When was the last time, if the Islanders, in fact, do make it, when was the last, do you know, when was the last time all three hockey teams made the playoffs and all, well, all two, well, both best basketball teams made the playoffs? Do you know the year? I believe it was the it was ninety it was ninety three ninety three or ninety four ninety four ninety five it was definitely about thirty almost thirty years ago to be quite honest. With yeah, you. I was born in eighty eight, so I definitely don't remember that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I, I'm telling you this. I mean, with the Knicks especially, um, I give more than a puncher's chance to try to upset the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers. I think they're going uh, to. I I wouldn't put about. Listen, I I'll I'll drop a couple of shekels. I mean, where I'm waiting to hit, see what the uh, series odds are. But yeah. kudos to uh, Tom Thibodeau because I know he's going to be getting a decent amount of first place votes for coach of the year. The job that he's done yeah. with this team this year, and if any Nick fan or any basketball fan thinks that getting or trying to make a play for Luka Doncic whenever, if and never that scenario presents itself mm-hmm. is out of their bleeping minds. I wouldn't touch this Nick team right now with a 20-foot pole, actually. <laughs> and if and if Leon Rose can find a way to sign every one of these young players, how, how creative he may do it, I wouldn't move quickly. I wouldn't move Grimes. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't move Obi Toppin. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't move anybody right now I can if Randall can come back um, and I know he will but the question is when um, this team is not going to miss a beat I mean it's going to be a fascinating first round series with the Cavaliers and uh, let's go Knicks and Danielle thank you very much for your time dear Uh, stay well I appreciate that Ted. thank you very much and uh, Tom Thibodeau if in fact he does win coach of the year with the Knicks uh, that's going to be the second time in three years, he would win Coach of the Year. I think he's deserving of definitely a few votes for sure. Look what he look what he's got. Especially, it's, I don't know when they actually do the vote, but especially if the Knicks win a playoff series, which I think they're going to. I think they're going to surprise the Cavaliers a little bit. You would have to think that the Knicks are going in as the underdog. I would think. Um, I actually I can't. Ch- I don't know where's my phone. Oh, it's over here. All right, I'll check. I'll, I'll let you know. But uh, I think um, I think the Knicks have a, a fighting chance. I think I think they're going to win. 
I think they're, I just I, I think it's gonna be Nixon six. And we can break that down coming up a little bit, but I do have to hit the break here. So uh we'll continue with that. And Odell Beckham had a visit. Or we'll have a visit <laughs> on Monday to Florham Park. So we can talk about that and where he fits in. I love talking about all sports. Oh, it's a mishmash night tonight. It's a beautiful time. Give me your calls on whatever you want to talk about. I'm Daniel McCartan with you here till three. Both the Mets and the Yankees won today. We had some beautiful pitching performances behind uh, uh, Brito for the Yankees and Senga for the Mets. I mean, both of them, both of them were lights out pretty much. I know Brito had a little bit of trouble early on, but settled down nicely. I mean, his ERA is .96. I mean, can't get much better than that. It's less than one. I just hope the Yankees keep him up there. Set it, you know, shuttling him, you know, back and forth and all that. And uh, on the Mets, Pete Alonso's hot, hot, tied for the league lead in home runs. A lot to like, a lot to like from our baseball teams on, on you know, during Saturday's game, April 8th. And, uh, you know, uh, things to improve upon, right? It's it's week one, pretty much, of the season. Ten, day 10 of the season. Game nine of the season. And, and of course, there's always going to things be things you need to improve upon. Always. And, you know, for me, for the Mets, it's, you know, producing with runners in scoring position, particularly. Or even just with runners on base. Stop leaving so many guys on base. They're like 20, I think it's 24th in the league. Meaning there's only like six teams worse than them. Or five teams worse than them. in leaving runners on base. That's a problem. The bottom third of that order. It's a problem. For me, the biggest problem is the, the left field carousel. Like, what is the plan out there, and who is the left fielder? Those are the two biggest things I would say right now stick out to me for both of these two teams. 877-337-6666. Kodai Sanga's final stat line, two, uh, six innings pitch, three hits, an earned run, three walks, six strikeouts, one home run allowed. I mean, he's like lights out, man. All right, we go to California. Hey, Mark, what part of California? By San Diego. No, I'm in uh, Sherman Oaks. Oh, Sherman Oaks. Oh, I know where that is. Yeah, so it's like uh, San Fernando Valley, LA area. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, My cousin goes to school but, in uh, Malibu. Okay. I went to UC Davis, which is like up north. Oh, I know uh, where that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back, but I'm originally, I'm originally from Jersey, so it's like, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, that's how it is. Dad's from the Bronx. You know, I'm from Jersey, and I moved out here for school, but... Um, so Danielle, so Nick, or I, I don't want to talk Nick's that last caller in, in terms of Luka Donich. Mm-hmm. Um, if you were the Dallas Mavericks GM right now, RJ Barrett quickly, Mitchell Robinson, three first round picks, gets it done. Yeah, but if I'm the Knicks, I'm not giving that up for a guy who doesn't play defense. What? Why not? You re- remember this: RJ Barrett plays point guard. You basically would move Quentin Grimes into his spot. You pair. Luka Donitz and Jalen Brunson, which worked beautifully. Mitchell Robinson is replaceable as a big because he's just replaceable. They can sign somebody else, sign Hartenstein, sign Jonas Valestuanis, whatever it is. And then quickly, obviously, is I don't really see a role for, for him on the team, especially if the Knicks want to improve because right now the Knicks are not a championship contender. They have to get better. And Luka so Doncic, like, we'll him alone, and, and, and you said three first-round draft picks? That's going to get the Knicks. They're gonna, that's going to set them back. You think so? Well, I remember, do. it's going to be 2025. It'll be 2028 and 2029. So um, one of them is protected. So obviously it's like the Knicks with Donich, I think. Doncic. And Randall 
and Brunson, I think would, would be, would be very deadly. I think it would be deadly because you'd be able to have, it's just, it's just three guys that can score 30 any night. I mean, it's just, yeah, and, be, and no uh, bench, and no, and how many points is Luka Doncic giving up every night because he doesn't play defense? We've seen this story with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. It doesn't right? matter how many points you could score. So how right? many keep off but the Barrett board? doesn't play defense either. Yeah, and, and, and you, but you're also trading half the team to go along with them. There's no Again, depth so, there. So, like, where, so, so where do we go then? Because I mean, right now we're in the playoffs. I get it, but next year this this team, you know. In terms of, I wish Mitchell would score a little bit more points. He's a great defender. He gets blocked, but he doesn't score enough. But hey, he does his job, right? Yeah, but I'm looking for. A- but I'm looking free agency. I'm not looking to trade any of these pieces. Really, I'm looking free agency. Then, so, like, listen, with Toppin is like you already got Randall. So it's like Toppin is not starting on the Knicks. There's no way he's not starting, right? So, right. So you take a look at Barrett and Quentin Grimes, and quickly they're coming off the bench. So eventually they're going to want money, especially if they're producing, right? So it's like you sign them to just keep them on the bench. You're trading away the entire bench, and then what? I think realistically, if you were to, and they keep producing, and you have Grimes and Quickly, of course you trade them for a superstar. Why would you not? Why would you not trade them? Because... Because listen, if you put them on the bench right now, let's just say the next season, you're telling me they're a championship caliber club. You're taking a look at free agency, which I have the list. But I'm not, but right I'm not trading any of the pieces to bring a superstar in. I'm looking in free agency to do so. I'm going to say to the free agents, "Hey, look what we can do. You're the last piece we need to get over the hump. We beat the Cavs in round one. You can get us. You can bring. You can bring us to the promised land." That's what I'm looking. I'm looking to trade picks. This, that. No, yeah. they need a bench. They, you need a deep bench. That's that's what you've seen if you're a Nick fan, especially. You can't fizzle I mean, out it, when it, you get to the playoffs because you're riding the same five guys every single game. Well, that's, that's why. Thing, just, that's why it's a good thing Julius Randle got hurt. You know, hurt and out well, for these of course, weeks. Before I we wanted know. him to get hurt because now these guys are playing and they're showing what they can do. Of course, I mean it's tremendous. But I'm looking at like free agency. Leon Rose, I don't think. Is going to look that route if I'm if I'm thinking what he's thinking. I think he's got a plethora of picks, just like OKC, and they haven't made any moves either. So it's just like in next year's draft, it's not particularly deep in in this year's coming draft. It's not really super deep, uh, especially if the Knicks don't even get a first round pick. So then they're going to and they don't really have much cap space to begin with anyway. So it's kind of like I mean, you think they're getting Clay Thompson? I don't. Right, so it's like I, he's I the number one for agency. No, I, I didn't say that. But but it's just like there's not too much to realize. Isaiah Hartenstein, I would definitely re-sign him. I loved him. I think he's been tremendous for yeah, the he's Knicks. Been good. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but um, that's not even what I'm going to talk about here. Yeah, this is getting crazy. I'll oh leave you God. with this though. But Mark, I, I, I got three minutes where I have to have, have to hit the update here. Got it, got it. So I'll leave you with this so that you can talk about it. So I'm not sold. Not on, not on Volpe, because I, I kind of was, it's like hit or miss with him, but in terms of Boone, I can't stand, dude, him changing lineups every single game. It drives me absolutely bananas. Um, I just don't see, like, he's relying on analytics, which the Yankees have never really been an analytic team in terms of lefty-righties. It was more like Girardi's side, lefty-righty split. But it just doesn't make sense to me that every single game, nine games in, it's a different lineup every single game. I mean, I'm looking like, at them, and it's not—it's not drastically. They're not drastically different. I mean, you still got. Let's see, Friday the seventh, Saturday the eighth. We'll combine the both of them. You look down. The only change that occurs is at seven, eight, nine, which 
I think a lot of teams are trying to figure out seven, eight, and nine. Hicks, Higashioka, Volpe versus Trevino, Cordero, Volpe. So it's it's. I mean, well, it matters who catchers. pitches. Whoever pitches, that's the catcher. Like you know what I mean? Right. It's like if you right. notice, Trevino catches more with uh, with Garrett Cole now, right. even though last year it was Higgy, but. It doesn't really matter. Volpe is going to stay in the lineup. At one point, people were like, "Put Volpe up front." You know, they Yankees did do have that six different leadoff that. batters this season. Nine games into the season, six different leadoff guys touching leadoff. Where? Like, where this season so far? Yes, you have you have Lemayu, you have Torres, you have uh, which date did Torres Cabrera. lead off? Huh? Which date did Torres lead off? I think it was like the third game of the season. I think it was like I, I think it was like this. It was the third game of the okay. first uh, thing, or it was the second. Uh, I must have been in school series, that day. All right, yeah. But I must have um, missed that it, game. It just <laughs> must have been a day. It, 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 it freaking bugged me. And then I was talking to your producer. It's like when Bader comes back. Oh boy, here we go. Now you throw another outfielder into the mix. You're like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen now? You know, I don't want Kadera to go bye bye. I love him. I think he's got power. You know what I mean? He's he can hit. He can play defense. Like His arm yeah. is tremendous. I like him. Yeah, so I appreciate it, Daniel. Thanks so much for the call. Yeah, thanks, Mark. I appreciate that. And there's something to be said, right, as a player. When you show up to the ballpark every day and you know you're batting leadoff, or you show up to the ballpark and you know you're batting cleanup, or whatever it is, whatever position in the lineup that is, that you you know there's a comfort level, there's a familiarity factor, there's there's an understanding, there's a knowledge that when you show up, you know, situationally, especially too, all of these things, right, go into, okay, I'm the number two batter for the New York Yankees. Okay, cool. I know what my responsibilities are. There is there is a point to that, being shuffled around all the time. There is a point to that. I would, I tell you right now, I wouldn't like to be shuffled around. But, you know, yeah, here it is. Clipper Tour is uh, April. Danielle McCartan with you for one more hour. I believe it's Pete Hoffman that comes your way at that point in time. Um, no, oh, I think they changed it. No, I'm pretty, he's, I got Brian in my ear saying it's Fliegelman. I don't think so. I, I got an email today that said it's Hoffman coming in after. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Hoffman. So, uh, it was scheduled to be Fliegelman, but something came up today um, that he couldn't make it, I, I believe. So uh, we'll see who walks through the door, but I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm going to bet on it that it's probably going to be Hoffman. But anyway, it's, uh, what time is it? 2.03 means it's Easter Sunday. And uh, thanks for tuning in. I'm Daniel McCartan, and uh, maybe you're listening again while you're putting together the Easter baskets with the little grass in there or nibbling on that carrot that they left out for the Easter bunny to have. Or if you're hiding the eggs for the big old Easter egg hunt in the morning. Well, let me be among the first to say Happy Easter, Happy Easter. And in Italian, we say Buona Pasqua. You know what? I've got a message for those hosts who like to make fun of the way I, I say the Yankee shortstop's last name or those on the internet who like to correct the Italian teacher's pronunciation of an Italian noun. I'd say go find some culture. <laughs> I mean, what about Jared Saltalamacchia? Did you call him... Jared Saltalamachai. I can't even say it without saying it the Italian way. How about you? How do you say it? Saltalamachia? Is that what you called him? Machaya? Machaya. That's what it looks like. Saltalamachia. No, it's Saltalamachia. We all know that. We all called him that. What about Mike Piazza? Did you call him Mike Piazza? 
No, but that's how it looks, right? What about oh, what about the boxer? Arturo Gatti. Did you call him Arturo Gatti? No, but that's how it looks. And oh, what about Ron Marinaccio? Do you call him Ma- Ron Marinaccio? Accio? Or Marin Accio? I, I I can't even do it. But that's how it looks. So if you're critic if this is you and you're criticizing the way I say Volpe, I'm going to deliver this first lesson to you. Take out your notebook. Take out your pencil. The word volpe, V-O-L-P-E, in Italian means fox. You know, the cute little cat-like orangey-colored animal. It's a noun. So what you need to know, number one, I'm in my 13th year teaching Italian in New Jersey public schools. And my pronunciation of Italian words and phrases and names is just automatic. I don't think about it. And it was very hard for me to even try to attempt those other names without saying them in Italian. But you know what? You say them in Italian too. Salta la macchia, piazza, gatti, uh, gatti, uh, marinaccio. You know, and and the other thing is I first met Anthony Volpe at an Italian-American baseball foundation dinner where I interviewed him. And uh, one of the first questions, if not the first question I asked him was if he knew what his last name meant in Italian. And he did. He said, Fox. I said, you're right. So that is how and why I pronounce it the way I do. So as you know, if you follow me on social media, at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, you know, I I spoke with Anthony a week ago now today, Sunday, and he remembered me and where we met, the Italian connection, the the whole thing. And I said, hey, Anthony, which pronunciation do you prefer, Volpe or Volpi? Because I want to do it the way you want me to do it. And he hesitated, and he thought about it. He considered it. And then he, he kind of nodded his head, and he said, Volpi. I said, you got it. Volpi it is. And now I will attempt to retrain my brain against everything I've ever known <laughs> to make sure the pronunciation of the name, not the noun, is correct. And there is your Italian, your cultural lesson for tonight. Quiz tomorrow. And um, I don't know, it just annoyed me. So I, I felt like I had to explain it beyond the character limit on social media. So thank you for indulging me on that. So now I will make a separation between Volpe, the Italian noun, and Volpe, the Italian shortstop. It's going to be hard, but um, I have to re you know, when you have to retrain your, your brain. Yeah, I'm going to try. I've been trying already tonight. If you haven't noticed, but that's the way he wants it. Not his mom, not his dad, him directly from him. I heard that's what he wants. Well, then that's what he gets. So Volpe, Anthony Volpe. Oh, it's going to kill me. <laughs> 877-337-6666 is the number to get aboard. Uh, a gem of an outing from Johnny Brito today from from the New York Yankees. I mean, really. And and I have to find a way to figure this out. I mean, every ball that comes off of Giancarlo Stanton's bat and in play seems to be well over 100 miles an hour of exit velocity. I mean, I think the home run today was 117. How do you catch a 117.8 mile an hour ball coming at you? Like, really? Like, legitimately? That's, like, scary. It's like, just duck and get out of the way of it, right? I mean, John Carlos Stanton's been been good. Glaber Torres has been great. He's hitting 409 on the season. Or 417 on the season. I stand corrected. Two home runs. I mean, 
Glaber's like, you ain't trading me. I'm the sh- I'm the second baseman of the future here. Forget about it. So just a lot of things to like from this Yankees team. But as the, the Rays flash on the television screen here in the studio, they still are unbeaten. They're the only team left in Major League Baseball that hasn't lost a game yet. That's um, that's crazy. <laughs> oh, my. I can't. And, of course, my cousin who lives in Florida, I hear it from him all the time. He's a big you-know-what talker, but he can't ever take it back. You know? So, he lo- oh, here's Randy Rosarina. He loves him. Cool story, though. You want can I? Cool story. My cousin, he was leaving a... Um, uh, spring training game. One of them that they played at the uh, at the trop. And he was he said he was driving for about fifteen minutes or so. And they two little they have two little kids. And uh he saw a car pull out of the, you know, players not the players parking lot. Um he pulled no, he pulled up next to a car at a red light that had like a VIP you know, placard. Play you know, VIP Tropicana placard on it, whatever. And he was like, Oh, I might be like a player. And then he like looked at the car in front of that car. And he said it was like this tricked out car. So he pulled up to it and he said all the windows were tinted and he rolled down the windows in his car and he told the kids, start waving at him, start waving, start waving. And he, the wind, the, the driver's window rolled down and it was Randy or Rosarina and Randy or Rosarina waved to the kids and Danny, my cousin said whatever he said to him. And it was a pretty cool interaction. And he was like, Danielle, it wasn't like we were like right outside the stadium. We were like 15 minutes away at least at, at a light. He was all excited. So you know, that's kind of cool. But um still hate the Rays. They're 8 no, and the Yankees are not. So, 877-337-6666. Douglas in the Bronx. You're up next here on The Fan. Hello. Happy Easter, Daniel. Happy Easter. Hi, hi. Yes. You know, you were saying earlier about the early star that's in uh, one of our local teams. Uh, I'll, I'll nominate Glaber Torres, hitting over 400 this so far. Tremendous. Yeah. Uh, huge surprise. I mean, he even was in the WBC. Yep. So, uh, it's, and, uh, so, uh, and I thought, you know, how the Yankees were very restrictive of players playing in it, but, ah, Glaber, you could play. <laughs> yeah. Glaber, now, I mean, I mean, he's been, he's been great. There's no yeah. way around it. Great. Terrific. Um, yeah. So, uh, a week into these new roles, uh, in place for the regular season games. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you one nuance of this is not only am I checking out the local teams, I'm checking out more out of market teams than usual. As I know going in, it's not a slog. It's like, it's not a sluggish thing to check out these other games because they're quicker and they move quicker. I've checked out both ESPN games and a lot of Padres. It, I just seem to have come across it, including Petco Park. I mean, you were talking about yeah. that. And there, there was a, on Tuesday afternoon they were playing Arizona, and there's a sandbox in the outfield. I don't know if you. I saw <laughs> that on the seating chart. It's called oh, it's called something, on the seating chart, and it's like you yeah. know what it is? It's premium seating, and it was like a uh-huh. hundred and fifty dollars a ticket or something like that. They have like Adirondack uh-huh. chairs and everything. I saw that. Yeah, I mean it's mainly for kids. I mean there was a bunch of kids on Tuesday afternoon, but. That was, I said, uh, I don't think Yankee or Yankee Stadium or City Field would, would uh, venture to this, but <laughs> only in San box. Diego. But I think it's a neat, it's a neat extra thing. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it's yeah. new, I think, this season. I thought I read that. That's out of our price range. We spent $50 a ticket, $127. Yeah. I thought that was pretty good. But they, for a Tuesday, a Tuesday afternoon there, 
they had about 30,000 in San Diego. That, I was impressed. I was impressed. Uh, I know. Well, they, yeah, so you're, they're going to look crowd. So I wish you all the luck if you get out there. Yeah, um, for sure. So uh, I want to venture a little bit to college sports then and get to my NBA point. Uh, is there something in the ward in Connecticut, the men's team in yeah. basketball one, that Quinnipiac won earlier tonight in hockey? There's something brewing there in it's Connecticut. It's a mecca. It's a mecca. And the women's team, they'll bounce back. They're bound to. They're still a major program. Yeah, this one's just a blip. Uh, Gina Oriana is still a legend. Oh, so I want to also ask, did you last weekend check out any of the women's Final Four in basketball? Honestly, um, I actually watched more women's basketball than I did men's yeah. this time around. I don't know uh, why. I was glued. Yeah, I was glued to it because my, my buddies are in Iowa. So, you know, they were locked in, especially last Friday yeah. and Sunday. Caitlin Clark. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so two things I think that uh, came out of that of the at least the championship. Um, uh, uh, atrocious officiating is not only ex- exclusive to the NFL. May I say? <laughs> uh, yeah, that final game was brutal, brutal. Um, what's your take about what all that Angel Reese did with the, the taunting, the Caitlin Clark about yeah. all of that? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, uh, it's, the action itself. I think it's sort of tame, but I mean, at that point, they won, they were winning by 20 when she did that. Um, although, I mean, if I look at on a positive end, look how much attention it got. I mean, look how many how many viewers tuned in. So I know I like the attention it all brought. Me too. Yeah, me too. So, I, I I I don't mind it. I had more of an issue with the LSU coach. Yes, Phil Mulkey, a big legend, but uh, uh, she pressed officials all day. Yet she was standing mid court. 15 inches inside the boundary. Uh, so, I mean, uh, they didn't call it technical because uh, I know she's a legend, but um, I had more issues with her than any of the players. So, you know what? My know. favorite move of Caitlin Clark was they must have had a really good scouting report, and, and I don't know what game it was, but she was kind of like by the three-point line, and, and some player from whatever team it was got the ball at the three-point line, and Caitlin Clark kind of gave her like the, ah, I'm not even going to guard you kind of hand and backed mm-hmm. up and fell back into into like the key area. And the girl yeah. passed it anyway. The girl, if if that were me, I talked to the kids at school. I said, if that were you in that situation that you were in, what would you do? Would you shoot it and risk either airballing it or banking it mm-hmm. off the glass, or or would you just do what that girl did and pass it? And every kid yeah. was like, I would take a chance. It could go in. I said, I know, wow. me too. Yeah, yeah Caitlin, she's something. She is so quick, so quick. But uh, yeah, being in the South trouble, that that was just enough, just enough for LSU to move. To move to the title uh, Sunday, so but that was fun. it was fun. Those were fun games, and I, I'm so proud. And maybe uh, yeah, this will uh, uh, catapult that uh, the women's side of college basketball even more so for next season because we have one more season of Caitlin Clark mm-hmm. at the very least. So mm-hmm. I yeah, she's only a that. junior. I looked that up too, just to yeah. be sure. Um. So all right, on to my NBA point. I got to admit, I got some Schadenfreude for you. I in uh, for those who don't know. That's my delight and misfortune because, now, Danielle, before you were born, the number one TV show in America was a soap opera named Dallas. So now the soap opera is still in Dallas, but with the Mavericks. (laughs) I guess guess Kai was not the... the, Solution to all their problems. Oh, no, I he, he's just burning the, every city along this flat earth that he's got going on here. <laughs> Do you remember the day they got him? I, I called into your show and we were talking about how these fans down in Dallas were, they had images of 
championship aspirations dancing in their head when he arrived. Yeah, I know. And, um, well, didn't we hear? Yeah. And um, uh, that uh, now from some of the reporters down there were saying uh, that whatever problems they had at that point, they were not solved. I mean, that's not a shock that he would not solve those problems, but like, like he, it was, he was there, but it's just, he wasn't the turnaround that they expected. Mm-hmm. Now they're tanking, obviously. So, I mean, that now that's the issue, but I just, oh boy. Uh, so how about that? So what is, so now there's, are they stuck with Kyrie now or they just, uh, boy, yeah, like scorched earth. That's what it is. It's scorched earth. Yep. He is. Hmm. Wow. Wow. I'm, yeah, I'm, and now the Nets are in the play. Now the Nets are in the playoffs. Oh wow! Can you imagine that? Yeah. He leaves the Nets, and, yeah. and, and and he and he goes to find quote unquote greener pastures, and here he is, and and, and he's not going to make the playoffs, and yet the Nets are. I mean, that's like the ultimate. That's the ultimate, in my opinion. Wow, wow! And they, they uh, yeah, we were puzzled that someone wanted to take him. They got him already. <laughs> and then it was like, and you were saying, oh, give it a month, give it a month. It was not even that they were reports that Luca wasn't yeah. even happy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Wow. Wow. What a shock. But uh, yeah. And, and before, besides, because of the call earlier, no way would I take that deal. That's too much. That's way Whoa, too much. Have to have the next squad for, for Luca. Yeah. Luca's a great player. He that's is. true. That's true. The defense on the defensive side. That's yeah. Huh. I did. Uh, yeah. That would, that would totally be an issue, but it would totally be an issue for Thibodeau. His whole oh, game plan is predicated on defense. And thanks for the call there, Douglas. I appreciate hey, that. Thanks, thanks, Daniel. Happy Easter again. You too. Thanks. Yeah, his whole game plan is predicated on defense. I mean, why would you bring in Luka Doncic who plays like basically zero defense? No wonder why him. I'm surprised him and Kyrie Irving don't get along. You know, so much because neither of them play defense. Let's go to George in Winter Park, Florida. George, you're up on a fan in New York City. <laughs> Thank you, um... Thank you for taking my call. Appreciate it. Yeah, I was that gentleman from California mm-hmm. on the Knicks. Oh, yeah. He, to me, he's delusional. First of all, I can't see Luca and Randall and Barrett. Who's going to get the ball between those three? <laughs> yeah, right. You know, that's just, they don't need Luca. And then, so far as Grimes is concerned, he's a starter on the Knicks. And next to, uh, Bronson, he's the second best shooter percentage wise on the team. Mm-hmm. Probably the number one and number two three point shooter. The guy that really scares me is Barrett. He's a terrible, his three point shooting yeah. is in the 20s. He turns over. I, that's the only guy that scares me. And with him and Randall play together, there's just, I don't know, the chemistry is just not right. Yeah. Right now, I can't see the, the Knicks. Their bench is great, and I agree with you. Free agency. I don't think the Knicks need another superstar. I think they need a good, solid defensive player that can score. Because I think this team has talent now. All these young kids they got on. Mm-hmm. I mean, they all, next year they're going to be better. But don't give me Luca. Oh my God! No. You know, I agree yeah, with you no. on that. And, and, I like to make a. Yeah. Can I make a comment on football for a second? Sure, sure. Just let me just okay? let me add in there. Yeah, just let me add in there. R.J. Barrett. The, the problem I have with him is that he is so wildly inconsistent. He could be a superstar one night and the goat, and not in a good way. Uh, on another night. Oh yeah. He's he's, just, but he's 
He's not a good three-point shooter. He's, he's a, in the 20s. Well, it's 31%. 31%. Yeah. yeah, which is not 20s, but it's it's still terrible. Well, yeah, and I think, what's his name? Grimes is about 39, 40, at least. Anyway, let me get something interesting. 38.3. Can, can, you know, about Kansas City signed uh, James from the Giants. Yeah, today. Richie James. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. So I'm thinking, Jones, you know, I always said, I'm an old man. I'm 88 years old. I've been watching. But Joe, they always said all the years, a good quarterback makes the other players better. So James had his best year. Slayton was written off, and he had a really good year. Then they re-signed him. So I figured Jones must have been doing something right. Mm Mm-hmm. You're talking to the biggest Daniel Jones fan there is, the biggest Daniel Daniel Jones cheerleader that there is here on this radio station, George, from the beginning. Yeah, well, and then one more thing on the Yankees. Yeah. I'm not worried about Volpe. Me neither. I just can't see. Uh, I hate to see. Oh, I don't want to. Hicks. He got that one hit. They may take Oswald out of left field and put Hicks in there every day. I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah. I know. Oh, anyway, yeah, I mean, this this whole Hicks and Donaldson drive me crazy. Well, it'll, 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 it'll resolve itself when Bader comes back, but you got to just yeah, run and bear it till the end of the month is when he'll be back. Yeah, yeah and I've been a Yankee fan since 1944. And by the way, Casey Stengel did go right and left when it came to players. Hank Bauer, Gene Woodling, you know, they, well, you, I don't know if you remember them. No. But, yeah, Casey was one of the first ones to start playing righty, lefty, lefty, righty. So, mm-hmm. anyway, thanks for taking my call. I appreciate it. Yeah, George, and you do not sound 88. You sound great. And thanks for listening. Thank you very much. I love that. I love when, see, obviously, I, I no, that's a long time ago, so I, I I wasn't privy to that. But I love hearing the stories of, of from people who were and were able to see these guys and all that, and that I've read about in books. So very, I, I love it. I love the little dynamic we got going on here. And um, you know what else? I said I got a lot of basketball calls. Let's do that next. So um, our New York basketball playoff pictures are carved in stone. Rosetta Stone, maybe, um, you know, the theme of tonight. But uh, I'm Daniel McCartan, and we will preview and predict Knicks, Cavaliers, Nets, 76ers next. Get aboard. Tell me your thoughts. 877-337-6666. Welcome back to the fan. My name is Daniel McCartan here with you for about a half an hour or so. I uh, believe it's Pete Hoffman coming your way then. I did see the email earlier today go out. Uh, yeah, so um, since the last time we talked, I feel like it's been a while, right? Since the last time we talked, uh, the Knicks clinched a number five seed. They've got a, a, a date with the Cavaliers in the first round. And the Nets, just Friday night, clinched number six seed. And they have a date, unfortunately, with the uh, 76ers. Uh, so... The playoffs begin on April 15th, which is next Saturday. So I'm going to be back with you the night, you know, on that night after they started. And you can't make predictions after they start. So let's get a little mini preview. Way too early predictions going on for both of these two series. Uh, I guess we'll take the Knicks first. A lot of Knicks calls tonight. So number five Knicks. Number four, Cavaliers. Obviously, the Cavaliers have home court advantage. The way it works this time around, games one, two, five, and seven are in Cleveland. 
obviously, if needed. Best of seven. Uh, oh, and here, I'm going to prepare you now for the Donovan Mitchell narrative you're going to hear about all week long. Um, the regular season advantage went to the Knicks. The one major variable that I'm going to point out is uh, Julius Randle's ankle. And again, if I had to make a way too early prediction on whether or not he'll play, I'd bet that he would. And if he doesn't, I think, I think personally that the Knicks are going to be in trouble. I mean, he averages 25 points per game, 10 rebounds a game, and four assists per game. I mean, that's a lot to replace in the playoffs when everything is just heated up a notch in the pressure cooker. Um, but, you know, based on all reports, uh, he's supposed to be reevaluated on Thursday, the 13th of April. So that's this coming Thursday. But for all intents and purposes, I'm going to proceed as if he will play. Um, and, and I kind of was alluding to it before with that one caller, but I, I actually think it's kind of like a blessing in disguise for a guy and you know, that who never wants to come off the court, this, this Iron Man type player. Because Randall, before that injury, he was third on the list of most logged minutes this season among all NBA players. And he was only behind Mikael Bridges and Anthony Edwards. So, you know, for a big dude, I mean, that, that's a lot of minutes. That's a lot of mileage. So let him rest. Let him clear his mindset because the yelling and the carrying on is just way too much. He's going to play. And I like the Knicks over the Cavs in six games. We move to... The Nets, the number six Nets, and the number three seventy sixers. Spencer Dinwiddie said, "Quote: Give Philly their credit, but at the same time, we do feel like we belong in that arena." Yeah, well, um, let's just say I just hope the Nets don't get swept. So, because of that, I'm going to take the seventy sixers in five games, and I'm just going to hope that it's not four, um, because the Nets are up against a team led by Joel Embiid, who is likely going to win the scoring title at 33.1 points per game, who is essentially a lock for MVP of the entire league. And it's just, you know, that team is just a better, more complete team than the Nets are right now. So come what may, but I think it's going to be tough for them. But, uh, you know, Jock Vaughn said that it perfectly when he said this group just endured. And I'll add him included. Because if you think about where this season started for the Nets and where it is now, I mean... Irving, Durant, and Nash, they're all gone. Dinwiddie's back. Vaughn promoted just seven games into the season. I mean, it feels so long ago, but the whole thing was turbulent, and it was this season. And it's just, in a way, in a way, I, I just can't believe the Nets stayed out of the play-in games this season. So it's great for them to earn the sixth seed, in my opinion. And I think that's a win in and of itself. I mean, unless you're a delusional Net fan. And... Did you hear? We talked about it before. The Kyrie Irving Mavericks have missed the playoffs for the first time since 2018-2019 season. And you know what? The joke is on them. I mean, Kyrie Irving really is going scorched flat earth. It's been Cleveland. It's been Boston, Brooklyn, and now Dallas. And I can tell you, three of those four teams made the playoffs this season. And the one that didn't? Well, you guessed it. His current team. And when... You know, remember we were trying to put together, piece together all the, the, the records of these players and when the three of them were together, what's their record and this and that? Well, they're doing that too in Dallas at this point. Um it's like it's like PTSD. It's like the stages of PTSD, right? When when Kyrie Irving arrives. So when, when Luca and Kyrie Irving were both on the court at the same time, the Mavericks 
five and eleven. Wah wah. <laughs> like we here in this area didn't already know that was gonna happen. Come on. And then of course we talked about Doncic might explore a trade request because he called it a very disappointing season. Well, Tim McMahon reported. Quote, the fear exists that Doncic, who publicly and privately expressed extreme frustration this season, could consider requesting a trade as soon as the summer of 2024, which is next summer, if Dallas doesn't make significant progress by then. Yikes! I call that the Kyrie Irving effect. Yeah. So anyway, I like the Knicks in uh, six I hope the Nets don't get swept, so I'm going to say 76ers in five. 877-337-6666. And, of course, there is a huge impending free agent visit in the state of New Jersey on Monday. Well, technically, it's Sunday now. Odell Beckham Jr. is flying in today, Sunday, scheduled to meet with the Jets Monday. To me, I don't know. It feels like a foregone conclusion to me. How does he fit? Oh, that's going to be the question mark. But is Aaron Rodgers going to be a Jet? Joe Douglas told Boomer Sison at our event last night, and he said it's going to happen. So we'll see. All right, we go to Astoria. Carmelo, you're up here on the fan in, in, in New York City. Lower Manhattan. Hey, how you doing? Yeah, I was thinking the, the Jets can do a, a press conference, right? Mm-hmm. The DM for the, for the Jets. And then comes out Boomer Sison. What do you think? Boomer's gonna just still the man. Boomer Size is still the man. Boomer Size is gonna like Kool-Aid man the man. wall and he's just gonna come through the wall and be like, I'm here. I'm here. Oh you could blindfold him. I will put a sheet over his head. We're gonna put a sheet we're gonna kidnap him now. Yeah. <laughs> he's still good. He's still good. I mean he's still got it. Lefty. Wait a second. You wait, you wanna have a press conference to to announce Boomer Sison as the quarterback of the New York Jets? He's still got it. I, I thought you wanted him there for the announcement. I think he can still play one more year. What do you think? <laughs> I hope Boomer's listening to this. I think he still got it. Sure, yeah, I think, I think he still got it. Sure, yeah, he's about the same age as Tom Brady, right? Or is he 60? Boomer? I don't know. I'll Google that. Boomer Esiason age. Boomer is a 61, in fact. He still got it. Actually, if, if, 62 if in about Berg, a week. Hmm. If Steve DeBerg still played... At 46, I believe. I'm not sure. So that means so, Boomer Sison can play at 62, naturally, clearly. Yeah. 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 Oh, but the, the, okay, but the Knicks, seventh game, they're going to win. Wait a minute. I'm still stuck on the Boomer Sison. What number do you want him to wear? Seven again? Of course. Yeah. That would be perfect, yeah. Or, or not, you get back Ken O'Brien. Yeah, can you? Yeah, what about Ken O'Brien? Yeah, that's another good one. What about Joe Namath? While we're at it, uh, Joe Namath can help uh, the young guys quarterback. So you want him as like the backup to Boomer Sison? Uh, he can help the young guys, you know. How? In which role would you say for 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 Namath? For Joe Namath, you can yeah. just have him teach the the young kids. Oh, so as a coach, how to throw the ball, how to be mentally prepared. No shenanigans. But if you got Boomer Sison as your quarterback, I mean, you wouldn't need that. I hope. I hope not. I mean, I hope they listen. I mean, him or Phil Sims, either one. Oh, Phil Sims. Phil Sims gonna trade his Giants jersey in for for a Green Jets one, nah. huh? Oh, all types, Brian. We get all types at this time of night. <laughs> uh, 
Sometimes I like to play with those people a little bit, though. You know what I mean? Like, really get them going. Really think I'm really listening. Because that's just, I mean, 62 years old, he's going to be quarterback to Jets. Sounds like a plot for a good movie. Like a Hallmark movie. <laughs> Something like that. Well, uh, I thought he just wanted him there for the announcement because I mentioned it that Joe Douglas had the announcement on the show last night or Friday night. and I just thought he wanted him there like to break through the wall and kind of read the car- the draft card, you know, something like that. No, he wanted him to be the quarterback. He wanted him to be the quarterback. Interesting. Interesting. Well, anyway, um, you know what? Go for it. <laughs> Boomer, go for it. We think you still got it, me and that guy. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, yeah, you guys, uh, last final thing for tonight. I'll close with this. The patches on these baseball jerseys. You know, I, I'm a jersey person. Authentic sports jerseys. Everybody has their thing, and authentic ones are mine. I cannot stand these cheap-looking, desperate, money-grabbing, flat-out freaking ugly advertising on baseball uniforms, I know that's the new thing there, but on the hockey helmets, on the basketball jerseys, all of it. I can't stand it. Um, the latest being the baseball uniforms and the Mets being one of the latest teams to jump on the trend. It's just flat-out ugly. I'm Daniel McCartan, 877-337-6666, and we will close out the show strong right here on The Fan. Back to the fan. My name is Danielle McCartan. It's been fun hanging with you for the past couple hours. We're going to close it out strong here tonight. we got Brian McKeon taking your calls behind the glass at 877-337-6666. But you already know that number. I'm sure it's already saved into your phone. And um, for the first time in baseball history, teams are allowed to wear a 4 by four, that's four inches by four inches, patch on the sleeve. And it, it's the sleeve that on a batter would face the, the center field TV camera. So on a right-handed batter, it's the left sleeve. On a left-handed batter, it's the right sleeve. Silly, I know. It's horrible. And the Mets, in their homestand, debuted their ugly, huge, Phillies-colored New York Presbyterian patch uh, in their home. I mean, it was it's just ugly. It's horrible. And Steve Cohen said he's already talked to the CEO of the hospital to change the patch to be more, quote, Mets-appropriate. I mean, how could you run out there with a red and white patch? I mean, isn't that a huge oversight? Let me tell you something. No amendments to that patch are going to make it any less egregious. I mean, does the advertising really work? Like, I'm watching the Met game today on TV. And from where I am in New Jersey, am I more apt to choose New York Presbyterian over, I don't know, Valley in Ridgewood or Hackensack Hospital? Am I going to say to myself, oh, let me go to New York Presbyterian because the Mets wear that patch on their uniforms. I have to go there. I mean... That's silly. I'm sorry, but like, this is like, and I hate to say this, these two names in the same sentence, but this is like a Wilpon-like move. 
I mean, we always talk about how much money Steve Cohen has and how there isn't a single free agent that is off limits for him and how much he spent on, you know, what's his name? Scherzer and Verlander this year, their annual AAV salaries, when you combine both of them, they make more than the entire Tampa Bay Rays team, okay? The whole team. So, like, we always compare, you know, Steve Cohen and now against Hal Steinbrenner and how, how, how. He won't eat the bad contracts. He's hesitant to spend more money. And you know what? As of right now, today, you don't see the Yankees running out there with egregious patches on their sleeves. And I hope they never do. But I know the reality of it all, and they probably will. But right now, they don't. It's cheap-looking, it's money-grabbing, and it's flat-out ugly. Fugly, if I could say that. And guess what, though? They aren't going anywhere. Because there's money in it, which is ridiculous. Like when I watch like soccer games and I watch Juventus and I see Jeep in in bold letters. Oh, that's the Jeep team. You got to look and then there's a little Juventus logo. Is that what's going to happen here? I mean, the Red Sox have patches for an insurance company on their uniforms. You know what they're making? 10 years. It's a 10-year deal with that particular company. $170 million. And here's what Steve Cohen said when he was asked about his advisor and the amount of money. He said, it was a complicated deal based on that and other assets. We have a great partner in New York Presbyterian. We are excited by that. Great. Fine. Cool. Do an advertisement on the outfield wall. Do Name it New York Presbyterian City Field. Whatever. I'm not behind these patches. They're ugly. Figure out a different way. Or, you know what? Not at all. Because you're a billionaire. I'm sorry. I, I get worked up over uniforms. I get it. I, I understand. It's it's It cheapens the entire look of the sport, in my opinion. They're just horrible. 877-337-6666. It's like these players are like walking billboards now. They are walking billboards for whatever. Add that to the NBA players that do it, the WNBA players that have advertising on there. Um, hockey has it now on their helmets, I've noticed. I mean, come, I mean, come on. Come on. Ridiculous. It's just a money grab, and it's an ugly money grab. Find a different way. Figure it out. 877-337-6666 is the phone number to call. We've got Sparky in Dobbs Ferry. Hey, Sparky, what's going on? Uh, first of all, Coach, happy Easter. You too. Buona Pasqua. And I hope you enjoy Mom's lasagna. Oh, I can't wait. I'm counting down the hours there, Sparky. Hey, what are you doing Coach, for Easter? Let's face it. When my mom was alive, she could cook anything. She was amazing. What are okay. you doing for Easter? Um, well, I, I work overnight, so I'm working tomorrow night, uh, tonight. Oh, okay, okay. Okay. Now, with the match. I think one problem is that Billy Apple is in over his head because nothing for nothing. He's a career American leaguer. You would think he'd realize the importance of having a power-hitting designated hitter. Yep. And, okay. and, and the, the importance of needing one of those. Okay. And the manner how he dealt with the bullpen last year at the trade deadline when he was going, he made it seem like there was so many people out there. If he had gotten 
relievers of quality, it would ease the loss of Diaz right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that is one area that, I, as a roster, I think the Mets should improve upon is is their bullpen, for sure. I agree. Because there was a lot of people out there last trading deadline. Yeah, although David Robertson was a good acquisition. He, he's going to be all right. You know, they could have nobody. I mean, you know, at, at least they did that. They shorted up in that manner. I mean, Coach, let's face it, David Robertson, as a Yankee, I always think of him as a guy who had onions. He wasn't scared. Ever. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he was a good Yankee. I liked him. You know, and um, now with the Yanks, I have to agree with you on, on Josh Donaldson. Because let's face it, we have to root for him to do well. Yes. Because, unfortunately, the Yankee front office is too stubborn to eat their mistakes. Yep. Like him and Hicks, as the way that that Cohen did with, with uh, Canal. When he ate Cano's contract, mm-hmm. okay, and also the I, I look at their pitching staff, the way all these guys are hurt, and I'm thinking, gosh, that name Montgomery keeps coming in the back mm-hmm. of my head. Yeah. Uh, um, and you know, in that area that they trade Montgomery. Is Bader, when is he playing again, or is he going to play? Yeah, he should be back by the end of the month, maybe May 1st, last day of April, something like that. So do you think you're going to end up playing in that softball game? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I guess I will. You know what? It's for around where you live. And your and your name being somebody in the public eye might attract more people who give money. Yeah, maybe. I'll probably do it. Oh, come on. You have to do it. I've <laughs> oh. never seen you play, but I get the idea that you're a lot like the youngest sister in a league of their own. Uh, I don't. I didn't see the original one, but oh, you didn't? I'm, I'm pretty oh. good. I, I'll put it that way. I'm pretty good. You know what, though? I think you should do it, though, just for the fact that you would help raise money. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's uh, right. Put it into perspective. Uh, you know what, Coach? And plus the fact you like to play. I do, Sparky. I love it. I love it. I'll probably play. I'll keep you updated. But I guess because of Sparky, I'm leaning more towards yes than anything. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks to all the callers. Could not have done it without you. I love coming here and talking with you each and every weekend. Thanks for hanging with me over the past, I don't know, over four hours. And if it's any any portion of tonight's show, you go back and hit that Odyssey Rewind feature and select the start of the show, which was around, I don't know, 1035-ish. Great job to Connor Green, to Brian McKee on Behind the Glass, also to Dexter Henry on the updates. And I'm going to see you next Saturday, 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. In the meantime, I'm taking suggestions for San Diego at Coach McCartan on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N, that is. Pete Hoffman is here. He is ready. He is up next right here on WFAN.